The CCUA episode 24 with Ryan Fisher. The cracked pot. A water bearer in India had two large pots. Each hung on each end of a pole, which he carried across his neck. One of the pots had a crack in it. And while the other pot was perfect and always delivered a full portion of water at the end of a long walk from the stream to the master's house, the cracked pot arrived only half full. For a full two years, this went on daily, with the bear delivering only one and a half pots full of water to his master's house. Of course, the perfect pot was proud of its accomplishments, perfect to the end for which it was made. But the poor cracked pot was ashamed of its own imperfection and miserable that it was that it was able to accomplish only half of what it had been made to do. After two years of what it perceived to be a, bit, a bitter failure, it spoke to the water bearer one day by the stream. I am ashamed of myself, and I want to apologize to you. The bearer asked, Why? What are you ashamed of? The pot replied, For these past two years, I am able to deliver only half of my load because this crack in my side causes the water to leak out all the way back to your master's house. Because of my flaws, you don't get a full value of your efforts. The water bearer felt sorry for the old crack pot, and in his compassion he said, As we return to the master's house, I want you to notice the beautiful flowers along the path. As they went up the hill, the cracked pot took notice of the sun warming the beautiful wildflowers on the side of the path, and this cheered him somewhat. But at the end of the trail, it still felt bad because it had leaked out half its load. And so again, it apologized to the bear for its failure. The bear said to the pot, Did you notice that there were flowers only on your side of the path, but not the other side of the pot's path? That's because I've always known about your flaw, and I took advantage of it. I planted flower seeds on your side of the path, and every day while we walked back from the stream, you've watered them. For two years, I've been able to pick these beautiful flowers to decorate my master's table. Without you being just the way you are, you would not have this beauty to grace this house. This is the Sisu Way, a show about grit, gratitude, character, philosophy, fitness, leadership, service, and what it means to choose strength. My name is Scott McGee. I'm a family man, friend, thinker, guardian, and a mindful warrior on an open, with an open mind on a path of gratitude and service and who loves to connect with unconquerable souls. So the moral of that cracked pot story was that each of us has our own unique flaws. Uh, we're all cracked pots. But it's the experience, the cracks, the ability to stay true to ourselves and not some other pot that creates the beauty. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. My guest on this special episode is Ryan Fisher. Ryan's life. <laughs> yeah, man. So check this out. I'm going to do a little mixture here. So Ryan's life has always been about fitness at the age of 12. He was a ranked BMX racer. In high school, he played football, lacrosse, and ran track at just about every distance. He was such a competitor, he even cut his own cast off to race. As he grew up, he got into skeleton and bobsled and qualified for the U.S. Olympic team trials for both sports. He has finished top five in the CrossFit Regional several times and has finished in the top 20 in the world in the CrossFit Open. His life is a set of circumstances that have developed him into the happy and successful gym owner he is today. But if you listen to this show, you know that this is not a resume type show or a bio type show. And there is more to Ryan's story. He is more than an Instagram post. He has numerous feats of physical strength, crazy experience, love, loss, and laughter 
that has taken them all over the world. So, Ryan, my first question, besides um, welcome to the show, is... I feel for the, for the cracked pot. Right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, that is kind of like me, I feel like. Oh, so that was, good. that was a good story. <clears throat> well, like I said, I kind of... The, I picked the beginning of those stories for, for usually some solid like moral reason. Outside of sharing a story with, with whoever is listening to the show, but something that will resonate with the, with the rest of the episode. Yeah, that was good. So Let's get into it. My first question to start it off here is, let me ask you, what is stronger, ready, is your work muscles or, let me rephrase that, your actual muscles mm-hmm. or your work ethic? And why? I would go work ethic, work ethic for sure. Um, I don't really feel like I've ever had like this crazy genetic ability like most people have. And I feel like you hear those stories all the time where someone's like, oh, I didn't have genetic ability and I just worked really hard. And like those stories are always great to listen to. But like you can look at my family. <laughs> like we're not like physically, you know, really strong looking or we don't really have like a past of any you know great athletes or anything like that but I was always really good at being the first person in the gym in the morning and the last person to leave at night <clears throat> especially when I worked in LA with Ronnie you can go on YouTube he's got so many videos of me at like 10 o'clock at night on a Friday night and I'm like front squatting 400 pounds when like no one had even back squatted that yet and I was just like in there doing things that no one had ever even seen yet and I actually like I didn't have Instagram yet so it didn't even there was no, there was no reason. So then it didn't happen. <laughs> well, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't care that anybody yeah. saw me doing it. Like, all that mattered to me was that I was there and I was putting the work in and I knew because of that that I was going to be, like, the best in the world. Like, I genuinely believed that I was the best CrossFitter in the world for, like, the longest time. And I never thought that I was, like, going to win the CrossFit Games or whatever. I was like, oh, if I get there, I'm going to win. Like, and I literally felt that way. And everybody who knew me knew that that's how I felt as well. When, and, uh, let me ask you, when did you, was it, uh, two questions, when did you figure out you had a strong work ethic or, or that your work ethic and drive was super strong? And then when did you figure out that I have you, such a good story for that. when you were physically strong? So they're actually both the same time. So when I was like 12, I think maybe like 12 or 13. No, it can't be. It has, I had to have been driving. So maybe like 16 because I had to drive to this to this job. So my mom gets remarried. We move from the beach to the woods. I'm from New Jersey. So that was a, a hard change for me because I was a surfer kid and like I was like super clean cut and like I just like, I don't know, I was like a little preppy kid <clears throat> and I loved the beach and my mom loved the beach, but my mom loved this new guy and he was building this house out in the woods. So we left um, and I'm in an area now where I, I didn't really love it. And I, there was nothing really going on. But my stepdad, who she just remarried, was friends with this guy who owned this huge farm. And he was just like this super cool guy. And he needed people to help him in the, in the summertime stack watermelons into a truck. It was a, a brutal job, right? He would hire like, you know, people who just worked for a living like, I don't, I don't want to say Mexicans, but like he hired Mexicans to, to do these, these jobs and they were like adult ass Mexicans. Right. And I'm like this young kid. So he's like, I don't think Ryan's going to do well, but if he needs some extra money and he wants to help out, whatever. Right. So I wind up helping out and I wind up like 
really liking it. Like I was picking up watermelons and tossing them to some guy and then he would figure out what size it was, small, medium, or large, and put it into a bin. And it'd be a semi, a full semi, like with thousands of watermelon. And I would finish it in like a day on my own. Like I would just toss them, boom, boom. And usually like every hour or two, you'd get a different guy come in and toss them. But I would just do it myself the whole day straight. And I loved it. I was obsessed. I started like really getting like pretty jacked. I'd go to school. My friends were like, dude, you're getting jacked. And I'm like, I'm actually working on this watermelon farm. So then the guy was so impressed with me. He was like, you are the best worker I've ever had in my life. He started giving me bonuses. I was making like 20 bucks an hour. This young kid, um, if he, he would he would start like, you know, giving me like records to beat. He would say, you know, if, if you get it done in this amount of time, I'll buy all your lunch and get as much. There was this awesome pizza place down the street because New Jersey pizza. And then uh, <clears throat> I'll buy all your pizza. I'll give you all the desserts you want. And I'll give you like an extra $100 bonus. So it was like always a challenge. And I'm like, oh, I got this every time. So then I, I actually found out that one, I was really, really strong. And then two, I found out that like I could work extremely hard. And before that, you know, I was like working as uh, like a, not a waiter, but the guy that cleans up all the stuff. Oh, a busser. A bus boy. <clears throat> like stuff like that. Like average job um, for a young kid. And then I did this and I was like, holy crap. Like there's people who think that this sucks, but I actually think it's cool, you know? <clears throat> well, yeah, there's like a, almost like a, a game and a sport to it. And you're, you're doing physical labor and you're moving large loads long distance quickly. Yeah. Sounds like. Crossing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> was it's it, amazing how that worked out. Was, um, I mean, we're talking like one watermelon at a time, like just like a. Yeah, it was just one at a time because I had to give it to the other guy and he had to decide if it was small, medium or large. Sometimes I would grab it and just say it and then he would just toss it into the next bin and then we would just do that all day pretty much. It was like Tabata style. I'd be like 20 seconds hard, 10 seconds yeah, slow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just keep going after it. Are people still doing that? Or is it all like automated now? People still do it. I'm pretty sure. Chef that like- guy sadly passed away like two years ago. Um, and people don't know this, but I've had, all my competitions that I like went to, I'd bring like his eulogy card to be like in my backpack. Oh, that's and I'd awesome. always bring him to all my workouts and stuff like that. But he was a huge influence in my life. Do you think so? So you have you have the physical physical strength, and you have have the work ethic, right? Um, so, do you think you like to find your work ethic? Do you think it had to be through something physical? And the reason I'm saying that people go through things in life that are really difficult. It's not always defined by a physical stimulus. Is there any point in time like so? You had that that moment, and that's this is another thing I've talked on previous podcasts, and. I, and Sometimes I'm hesitant to read bios, but I think you know, sometimes people want to figure out who I'm talking to and yeah. then actually figure out who I'm talking to throughout the episode because people have bios, right? And that's just like stuff. But really, it's moments that define us over life. You have these certain moments that create you and really define you and, and set you on the path of like of, of, of strength or, or sometimes weakness, you know, victory and defeat. And sometimes it's both. But is there other moments in your life that you can think of like and you look like, wow, that is a moment that I was forced to be strong. Like other moments in my life? <sighs> I mean, I think I've, I've touched on like my dad's story a little bit. So like, I mean, people out there don't know about it. And my mom's probably not going to be stoked on this, but. <laughs> well, a couple of things before you even say, get into this part. Um, we've talked before and I've heard you on other podcasts and you kind of always 
allude to it, right? Mm-hmm. You always kind of bring it up. And you're like, oh, that's a conversation for another day or that's yeah. a subject over another podcast. So I do want to say, because I know this uh, uh, can be a sensitive topic. It that, will be for sure. That, But I want to say, and I don't care if the listeners, is that I don't, I want to be thoughtful with what you put out there, mm-hmm. right? And thoughtful of your family and thoughtful yeah. of anyone that, that it, anyone that it could affect. Yeah. It's, it'll be fine. It'll come, it'll come out just right. But, cool. uh, basically I, I, I mean, I, I grew up in a, in a fairly wealthy family, like as I was young and I could go on any ski trips I wanted to go on and do anything I wanted to do as I was growing up. Um, my, my immediate family didn't have like my mom and stuff didn't have like a lot of money, but my grandparents did and she like kind of helped us. Um, so if I did want to do something, I would just kind of ask my grandma over my mom and I could do it. And it was like, you know, it, it wasn't like I was one of these rich kids in LA who could, you know, trust fund and you could go travel the world and stuff. But it was like for me in New Jersey and like the people that I was around, I had a great life. And I think that I was like missing like I knew that I had like several stepdads growing up. My mom got remarried a couple times and I never really like clicked with any of them. And I always had like this weird feeling about like who my dad was. And like, they always told me it was this one guy and I like never saw him either. So I was like, uh, like I don't really know how this whole thing works. And like everything in my life was gone with my mom. Um, so like my mom took over both roles and she crushed it. Like she's, I talked to her still every day. Um, so no, um, no regrets there. Like my mom absolutely killed it, but I just never really had like that dad feeling. And I think because of that, like it, I, I like searched without even knowing it. Like I searched for different things to kind of like put energy into that couldn't be bought and couldn't be, um, like you, you can't get it any other way except for like super hard work. And I, and I knew that if I did that, like I created that and then. It was just something that made yeah. me feel good. So, so, like, so a couple of things, you're like really, really striving to to uh, cement yourself in some independence. Yeah, and I didn't even know that this was happening. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't even actually realize like what was going on until now I'm 32 years old and I look back and I'm like, oh shit, like that's kind of like what I was looking for. I was looking for this thing. And even though at, at this particular time, I didn't even know who my dad was yet. I actually thought it was this other guy. And, uh, what, what age do you, do you remember like a certain time where you like, you found out my sister told me when I was 18 or yeah, I think I was, I was 18 and she told me, um, she was a hairdresser and I'd always get my haircut and right around 18, I think you start to, to worry about, am I going to go bald? <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know when it's happened for you cause you are bald no, now. But no, like, I'm not. I'm shorn. There's oh. a big difference. <laughs> I could have hair. Okay. <laughs> I just choose to eliminate it. It's just too much work. <laughs> so I remember like feeling like a little small receding hairline. And I just asked my, my sister, like, am I going to lose my hair? Am I going to lose my hair? Like always, every time I get my hair cut every two weeks, I'd ask her, I was going to lose my hair. So one day she just says, Ryan, your dad has so much fucking hair in his head. There's no way you're losing your hair. And I'm like, no, he doesn't like the guy that I'm seeing in my head. And then she's like, I'm tired of this. Like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. Like that's not your dad. And then she told me, and I remember just being like, Okay. Like wait, 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 wait. Are you in the chair with a thing, like the thing covering you, like a little hair? Yep. And then she's like... Is this like mid haircut? I I would say like mid to to three quarters. We're not done. All right. She's got you. You're not going anywhere. (laughs) You're in a vulnerable position. Yeah. So I remember 
that feeling, you know, like when, oh, you know what the feeling is actually? This is perfect. You know, when you get pulled over by a cop Mm. (laughs) and you feel those lights go off and then your body just goes cold, you're like, Mm. oh, fuck, you know, that started happening to me. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to wake up. This is not, this is not real. This is a dream type of thing. Cause it doesn't happen to people, you know, unless you watch no. Jerry Springer or something. No. So I'm like, <sighs> and then like, I wasn't waking up, you know, and I was like, this is, okay, this, this is real. So then she started telling me more about it. Wait, what is, she, so is the first thing she said, what, so at this point in time in your life, you, you thought, uh, you're like, who did you think was your dad? This guy, Steve, who lived in Florida. Um, and I just like never really saw him. He was like, uh, he like kind of was getting into trouble and stuff like with police and stuff. Like he wasn't like a good person. Um, and then my sister just like, because she didn't really support who he was and like, you know, she didn't want me to be associated with him. And she's like, I'd rather you be associated with this other guy. Cause he's like a way better guy. And he actually was. So wait, um, so Steve was, was in your life at a certain point in time when you were young. Yeah. So my mom was with him at the time that I was born. So she just gave me his name. So my real last name is actually not even Fisher. It's Vigiano is my real last name. V-I-G-G-I-A-N-O. Okay, so Steve was the guy that your mom was was with when you were born. At the time, yep. Okay. So I never really had a relationship with him either. Um, but some stuff happened then, and then my real dad left, and she gave me that name, and I, I, I'm assuming that she didn't really know what was going to happen after that. Maybe she thought she'd stay with him or... Whatever happened, okay. but so growing up, you had this uh, growing vision up, you, of a different guy. Yeah, but growing up, you had the the attachment of dad was on this guy that was out of your life. Mm-hmm. Okay, but for some reason, like it's so strange because like once I found out who he was, it took a lot out of me to like really search him out, like find him, talk to him. Like it took me like a, like immediately. I wanted to know who he was, and I tried, and then like I failed. No, wait, wait, wait. I want to go back a second to the chair. Yeah. <clears throat> Did your sister, now, uh, the, the sister that you, you was cutting your hair, is her dad, Steve? No. Okay. So I grew Does up. Does she know who, who her dad is? Yes. Okay. So I grew up with five brothers and sisters in the same house with my mom. All five of us have different dads. Okay. And then on my dad's side, he has like three other daughters. So technically, like in my little family chain, I have like eight people. Okay. But I only grew up with this with the same five brothers and sisters. Okay. So I'm assuming she's like, has you know, quite a few years older than you. Oh yeah. Okay. She's quite a bit older. She's like ten years older than me. So tell me exactly how she articulated to you, if you if you remember. Well, I remember saying, "My, yeah, yeah, yeah. am I going to lose my hair?" And then she said, "No." Blah blah blah. And then she's like, "I don't want you to think this anymore." And like. I have to tell you something, you know? And then I was like, you know, like, what is it? What is it? And she's like, you can't tell mom, but, <laughs> yeah. I, but I know you're going to tell mom. Cause like, it's going to be a, a big thing. And then she told me, but I can't remember like exactly what was said during that time. It was just like such a gnarly moment for me yeah. that it was just, it was insane. I, I remember that night eating dinner at my house and I was just like staring into space. And my mom is like, what's wrong with you? You know, how do you, and I, mean, I remember just being like, what's wrong with you? You never told me this my whole life. I did that at dinner, like in front of everyone. And then they, and then it was like, okay. It was like a, a fourth okay, drop. It's time to talk now. Wow. Imagine that right there. So wait, you get out of the chair. I mean, do you leave a tip? Do you, I mean, 
it was just one of those moments where a lot of things imagine like you're in a movie theater and you're watching this movie and then all of a sudden like the main thing that you've been wanting to know the whole time just hits and then you remember the whole rest of the movie now and why it made sense yep well dude you're looking back that must i mean you must have just been completely reflecting like everything 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 so like my one brother his last name is fisher and that's actually his real dad they have red hair both of them all right so i don't have red hair like there's so many things that it's not my dad so um once yeah i don't know (laughs) once i figured that out i remember now like he would get invited to to go to florida which is where he lived my dad that i thought was my dad at the time so he would go down to florida and hang out with them they would have fun this would happen that would happen like he'd hang out with his grandparents that lived down in florida and like i would never get invited and i'd be like this is so weird like if that's my dad and those are my grandparents and why don't i get invited and then like there was just like all these little things that just like kind of started to m- make sense to me. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I understand that now. I understand that now. I know why I felt this way. Like after actually finding out who my dad was like on paper, I had never seen a photo of him or anything yet. Just like knowing who he was. So at that time wh- we were the same person. I grew up the same person as my dad. Right. So my brother who shared the same dad with me at growing up. He's like, sadly, I, I have to say he's, he's a drug addict, right? He's not doing very well. Um, my other brother is a drug dealer. Like he just is economical. <laughs> um, my other sisters own a hair salon. They do very well. Uh, that's, that's their thing. There's nothing positive. Or, I mean, there's nothing negative to say there. Um, and then there's me and, I grew up, I wanted to play every sport. Like, I wanted to do this. I wanted to do that. I wanted to own my own business my whole life. Like, I, I, I always wanted to leave New Jersey. Like, I wanted to travel. I wanted to do all these things. And I found out who my dad was. He owns his own business. He did all the same sports as me growing up, literally, step by step. Like, we did all the same things, and I never even knew who he was or never even had an inkling of who he was my whole life. And we became the exact same person so and i grew up with all these other like ways that i could have gone like usually when you see your brothers grow up even if they're you know bad people you wind up kind of taking their path and i remember just i remember like always telling my mom that there was like something about me that was different and like i knew that i was going to be different and i didn't know why i just like always knew it i always knew it and my mom even now like she even tells me all the time i don't know how you became this person and I'm just like, I fucking don't either. But like, I knew it my whole life. Do you remember the first time you um, had any contact with your real dad? Yeah. So I originally got his email from his, he has a website. He owns like this huge company. And I got his, uh, his email and I emailed him and I wrote him this long email about, what I just found out. And he basically writes me back and says, you know, a lot of things happened during that time that you're not really aware of and blah, 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 blah. And we're not really sure who your dad is basically. And I'm like, all right, well go fuck yourself too, I guess. And my mom's like, no, this is the guy I fucking promise you, you know? And I'm like, all right, all right, all right. So I sent him another email. We go back and forth. So we go back and forth for like two years. So so there was obviously some, some type of denial on his end. Oh yeah. And there still is. 
But um, we go back and forth, and then I'm living in Utah during this one specific time now. I'm on the Olympic team for bobsled and skeleton and stuff. And then he's traveling out to Colorado, and he has my phone number that I gave it to him in an email at some point. And he's telling me, he emailed me and says, I'm coming out to Colorado um, to look for whatever, blah, 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 blah. Do you know how far that is from you? And then I'm like, oh, I think it's like whatever, a couple hours or something. And I looked it up. And then I'm at work. And I was a gym attendant at a gym in, in Park City, Utah. And I get a phone call while I'm working. It's a random number. And I pick it up. It's my first time in my whole life I ever heard his voice. I've never heard his voice before. And he says, hey, um, it looks like I'm pretty close to where you're at, so I'm on my way, and I'll see you in like four hours. Does he introduce himself? Or is that exactly what he says? He just says it's Rich. His name is Rich. Okay. So I'm like, okay. And, you know, fucking heart is going. Oh, my gosh, You know? So here's where it gets really crazy, right? So I hang up. I call my mom right away. I said, oh, my God, I'm going to meet him. Do you have a picture so I know what he looks like? And she's like, no, I don't have one. And I can't find any and but she's like i promise you you will see him and you will know who it is there you just will and i'm like okay you know so i'm like waiting to get off of work this is like the most anxiety i've ever had in my whole life dude how much time how much time between like that happened in the phone call between well, like how much time do you have to wait four hours okay Whew. all right so i get off um, I tell everyone that I'm working with what's about to happen and they're all like freaking out, you know, oh, and there's girls there, you know, who work there and they're like crying. And then, um, so I go to the park. City what are you like, guys, I'm going to like, how do you say it? Do you just like throw out a big announcement? Well, I kind of like told them the story. I had four uh, hours, so I figured yeah, yeah, yeah. waste some time. You're like, guys, this is why I'm white right now. I can't. <laughs> so, um, I'm freaking out now cause I don't know what he looks like, you know? So like, that's like the hardest part. So I go to the hotel and he's like, I'm, I'll be in the lobby. There's a fucking shit ton of people in the lobby. So it's one of those things where you just think of like a movie and you're like, are you my dad? Are you my dad? You're just walking around. Um, so I, I, I am walking around and I'm like really getting weird on people and like kind of looking them in the face, you know, and looking and just walking around. And then this guy, like he's like short and stocky and he's just like kind of like walking down the hall and I'm like, okay, this is him for sure. <laughs> and it, he just comes straight up to me and shakes my hand. And then like, I didn't even realize like right from behind him, there was this little girl and that was like his daughter he brought with him. So, and he just tells her that this is his friend, Ryan. Um, and to this day, I think he just still just calls me like his friend, like if we talk on the phone or something like that. So uh, yeah, I remember seeing him in that moment and then he saw me. And then you could tell, like, we both were like, okay, we look like each other. <laughs> like, probably like, all right, you got me. <laughs> yeah. But it was interesting, like, immediately, like, the things that he wanted to do. Like, all right, we're here. Let's go do something fun. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. It was, like, all the stuff I'd want to do. Like, let's go do, like, the alpine slide down the mountain and, like, you know, try to kill ourselves and be, like, a maniac. But what was crazy was the first thing that we did was we were really hungry, right? So we go to Whole Foods. And there's this guy, uh, he's a Jamaican guy, super cool. He, he like always made my sandwiches for me all the time, every day. So I go in there with my dad and my little sister, basically, and we order sandwiches. He knows nothing. I didn't even tell him the story. He doesn't know anything about it. He's just the guy that makes sandwiches at Whole Foods for me. As soon as all three of us are there, we order, and then he's like, um, your little sister looks just like you. It's crazy. That's what he says in front of me and my dad. And he just looks at me like for a second. 
And then she looks at me for a second. <laughs> How old is she? Uh, 10. Okay. So like, we're literally just like, oh, look, it's like this super awkward moment and he doesn't know what's going on. And I wound up telling him like a week late, like after he left, I was like, dude, when you said that, like craziest thing ever, you know? And I gave him like a little rundown of the story, but uh, yeah, that was a crazy, 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 crazy moment. Did, did uh, the little sister have any idea in the context or had he already kind of like kept it like a secret? He had been kept keeping it a secret and he still kind of does. I think because he's like kind of a successful person and there's a lot going on in his life. He's remarried and I just don't think he wants to like tell anyone he has like this 32 year old son out there. So I think he's, I think he just kind of, I know that it bothers him though because um, he was all into like dirt bike racing and all sorts of stuff. And now yeah. he's like, after he met me, his like Facebook is all CrossFit stuff. And he like competes in masters and he's like really good. And he's like always about it. And the guy that owns the gym that he works out at like follows me religiously and comments on all my stuff. So I messaged him one day and I said, Hey, like has rich ever told you like anything like interesting about me? Like anything that was like a little like, Oh wow. And he's like, no, nothing, nothing that I can think of. I'm like, he didn't nothing like family like, and, huh. and he wrote back and he's like, no, it's, something that I should know. And I was like, no, nothing. And I just left it alone. And then uh, I was like, surprised. I'm like, all right, well, this guy follows me, watches everything I do. Dad's into CrossFit now. These guys are super tight. They hang out all the time. And he never even told him. So he's really keeping that secret pretty strong. Does that bother you? Yeah, a little bit. But I mean, at this point in my life, I've already missed out on, I feel like the best times you're going to have. I mean, maybe not the best, but all the stuff I needed growing up is shot. I could hang out with him now, and it'd be it'd probably be cool. Um, so, so that particular day, you're hanging out, right, and doing the, the alpine slides and everything. Mm -hmm. Is it just that day, and then he he leaves? Three days. He was there for three days. Okay. And the whole time, um, did he ever ask you like, "Hey, I don't want you calling me dad," or or I want you to call me? No, didn't say anything like that. But the reason that I think that I was even able to hold a relationship with him for a few years after that, like right now we don't really talk at all. Like I've sent him text messages here and there just for like little like Christmas or something, or I'll find out it's his birthday or something. Um, but when I was raising money for, to go to the Olympics, I was trying to get money from everywhere. Cause like, it's really, really expensive. And I was, yeah. you know, young kid and I didn't have anything. And, gym attendant making $10, maybe seven bucks or something. And then an hour. And I remember he gave me the biggest check I had gotten from anyone. He just sent me a check from his company and it was for like 500 bucks. And I was like, holy crap, this is crazy. I got like $500. And then, uh, there was something about it. I like never, I couldn't cash it cause I just felt really bad about it. Cause I felt like, you know, if I cash this check, this is exactly what he thinks that I want. Like he thinks that I want money and my mom never asked him for child support. And my mom was like getting all mad about it. Cause he doesn't like admit that I'm his son. And she like, she's like mad about him. Right. Like the whole thing. So, um, I didn't even tell her I didn't cash it until like when he was there, I held on to that check dude for a fucking year. I had it like in my room, in my drawer, and I saw it every day for a year, a $500 check that I could have cashed at any time, and I needed it bad. And when he left, he's like, all right, I'm leaving, I'm going back to Florida or whatever. 
I pulled it out and I said, hey, like I have something for you and I gave it to him. And then, um, shit, it's like the part where I always get like kind of teary. So he then he, uh, he just looked at me for a second and was like, damn, like he was like super impressed. And then he just said to me, like, if any of my other kids turn out like you, like, I'll be really happy. And then um, I told my mom that story and she was mad about it because she's like, you should have cashed it. And I'm like, mom, do you not see what happened in that story? Like, do you not understand what just happened in that story? And then she like genuinely was mad. She's like, I can't believe you didn't cash it. I can't believe you didn't cash it. I'm like, mom, I just like made the coolest relationship ever because I didn't cash it. Um, And then I remember like, I just remember like after that, I was like, oh, thank God I didn't cash that check. And then him and I talked a lot for a little while. And then uh, it just kind of like faded out. When was the last time you saw him? He came to my my gym when I first opened it. It's weird. He'll, he'll like come and pop up like at these really important times and act like he's just there for work. And he'll just like stop by and then gone. So I've only seen him like three times, but they're like three like pretty important times in my life. So one was... Um that time in Colorado. Yep. And then at the gym. At the gym. And then one time I went home for Christmas and I got to see him. And home as in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because when I found out who he was, I found out that my grandparents on his side only lived a couple of miles away from me. So I went there when I was 18 and I was leaving for college in a week and I was going to live in Hawaii for three years, which is what I did. And I remember knocking on the, my grandparents' door for the first time ever. And my mom said, if you go there, they'll, they'll know who you are. I send, their, I send them your yearbook pictures every year. So when, you, when they answer the door, they'll, they'll know who you are, I promise. All right, time out. So your mom is sending... My mom knows about this my whole life. She just didn't tell me. Okay. She's, she's always known. So, so, so your, the real the genetic grandparents know who you are. So Apparently. I, didn't, I haven't, haven't met them yet. And your mom... So even before you knock on the door, are you, are you carrying resentment? No, I'm like excited at this point. Okay. Cause this, I haven't met my dad yet. I haven't, I like just learned all this. This is like, I just told you some stuff after. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So now if we go even earlier before any of that happened, I'm like all excited to go to my grandparents' house. So I go there, I knock on the door. I'm, I mean, I'm obviously butterflies out the, yeah. every <laughs> part of my body. So, uh, I knock on the door and then she looks at me and it's just like, <gasps> and I'm like, Hey, my name is She's like, I know who you are. <laughs> I didn't even get to say who my name was. And then she's like, what do you want? And I'm like, I just want to talk to you. I just found some stuff out. And she's like, well, I don't, I, I, I don't know what to give you. I don't know what, what you want. I'm like, listen, I just want to talk to you about some stuff. <laughs> like I have no idea why I'm even here. I just want to say, hi, I've never known you. It's, I think this could be cool. And she shut the door. Just bye. Didn't even, didn't even let me talk. And so I knock on the door again and I'm like, Hey, listen, like <laughs> I want to know some stuff about family. Like I want to know about these things that I've never known about. And am she, I going to go bald? Just answer me that. I asked that. <laughs> you did? I said, like, am I going to go bald? Am I going to get cancer? You know, I said all these things like funny. I'm 18, you yeah. know? And then she's like, I can't help you. I, I don't know what to do right now. And she shut the door again. And that was it. And then like five years later, I'm at her house for Christmas with my dad. And she is like, I could see it on her face. She's like, fuck, I can't believe this kid's here right now. 
And then we hung out and talked a little bit. And yeah. Wait, how'd you get over there for Christmas? Was did did you get like an invite or is it like a I went home for Christmas every yeah. year. And then that was the only time I ever would go home. And then he went home for Christmas because his parents were there. So we happened to be there at the same time, like during that Christmas year. And he just was like, we want to come over and meet my mom. And I'm like, all right, yeah, let's do it. And you're a little older now, right? Yeah. I'm 24. But why would you do all that if I'm not your son? You know, at the same time, he won't like admit it. And it's very strange. Well, that's, that's. So when, when, when you showed him the, the check that you had in cash. And I'm assuming you hadn't cashed, still haven't cashed it. Oh, no. I gave it back to him literally that day. Okay. Um, he, and it, you said that he said, if my other kids turn out like you, they're going to be all right. Yeah. Is that the only time he's acknowledged any of it? Yeah, I guess you're right. I never really thought of it that way. I feel like we should pre- like <laughs> turn the recorder off and go fly and go knock on his door right now. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I mean, sometimes I really get like to the point where I'm like, oh, like I really want to go like now that like I'm not like I don't need money anymore and like my life is all set. Like it'd be cool to just sit down and just have like a normal like just a normal day together and just yeah, just have a normal, like, um, normal time. But I feel like I'm like intruding on his life sometimes because of he's like trying to create his own life. And he has his own struggles and stuff. Like that girl that I met, now I guess she's like, she's having problems. Uh, and he's got his hands full with her and then his new wife and his ex-wife and whatever. So I guess everyone's got their deal. Well, okay. it's, it's hard I mean, to bring in extra stuff. You, you definitely said it. Everybody has a struggle. Everyone has a deal going on. But there's, there's there, I mean, in my opinion, there's, there's always room for heart-to-heart conversation between a father and a son. Yeah. So... He doesn't have any sons. They're all daughters. That's got to wear on him for sure. Because he has this humongous company that like is worth millions of dollars. And like that, he could have given that to me. And he probably would have felt pretty good about it. But instead, he's giving it to, like I think, one of his friends that ha- that's been helping him forever. Because he doesn't know how else to really yeah. pass it on. So he, like, he builds and fixes like those giant tractors that build skyscrapers and like he owns junkyards that they go to and like all the things that work with these huge pieces of construction equipment. And he's like the only one in the country that really does it. Do you think finding out like, like made you a stronger person? I don't know. Um, I, I guess I've, I got a little glimpse into like what I'm capable of. Cause I found out like who he was and like what he did and no one else in my family did anything really like that. Especially because my brothers and sisters like on a different course. Um, and then I found out like why I was into all the sports that I was in and all those types of things. And then I don't know. I think it just gave me like a little bit of a reasoning why I thought the way that I did. Cause I literally my whole life had felt so much different than everyone in my family. It was just a, such a strange feel. Like you yeah. feel like you're a fucking adopted kid and you're, in your family. It's just such a weird feeling. Do you think that feeling, right? The feeling has, is like a big part of your drive and your, in your mental dialogue. Maybe. I don't really know. I kind of have an answer to that question. <laughs> um, I do know that I don't really care about a lot of things 
really. Like, especially as I get older, like I always thought like, oh, cool, I'm making some money and I'm going to go buy this or I'm going to go buy that. And it's like, it's so funny that like the more money that I make now, like all my stuff's going really well. I, I guess I could go buy, you know, some s- stupid car or something if I wanted to or like whatever. And I like buy a motorized skateboard <laughs> and I spend my money going on hikes all over the world or riding my mountain bike or something like that. And I get like such an amazing feeling of being out in nature and doing like yep. my thing and be, I really like being alone. Sometimes I feel like, well, and I like to reflect on my life a lot and I don't feel like, and like every girlfriend I've ever had, I don't feel like I connect on the same level because they're always into their family and I'm like, not really. So, I mean, like, me and my mom have an amazing relationship, but I just don't, I can't get tight with anybody else, really. I don't, like, think about people on their birthdays and Christmases and all that stuff. Like, I don't really care about that. And uh, I I think that's a big, big reason for it. And I always struggle, like, in my relationship because of it. Well, good. We're going to talk about these. What what do you think, um, if we asked your mom, what... Or what do you think your mom would say she's most proud of in you? I think there was a time when, especially like in CrossFit, where I was getting hammered, where like CrossFit didn't like me and a lot of things weren't going my way and I lost or I quit my job and I couldn't get another one. And there was just all these things that are just like hammering away at me. And she was like, I want you to move home. Like, I want you to go back to school and... I think you should, you know, get a more safe job. It's got some security in it. Like she really wanted me to like be in the healthcare industry. And there was a time where I really wanted to be like a PA, like a physician assistant. I just thought it was a cool job. Um, and she's like, you should at least just like be a nurse, do this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what, mom? No, I'm, I'm making this work. And I don't know how it is going to work, but I, I, I promise you it's going to work. And she, she would literally just listen to me and be like, Ryan, you can't just keep thinking that everything's just going to work out. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not thinking that it's going to work out. Like, I know it's going to work out. Just like I knew that, like, something was off in my life growing up. And I, just how I know that this is going to happen or that's going to happen. Like, something is going to happen and it's going to work. And I'll do it no matter what, you know? And she always talks about that all the time. She's like, I, I, like, always respect the fact that you just like went for it and it worked out. And even now, like when I go travel by myself, like I'll fucking go, I went to Norway last year by myself and hiked like deep in the woods by myself. Um, and I have photos of it and stuff. And she's like, I could never do that. Like in my whole life, like that would be never something I could do. So she always tells me like, I'm like her, you know, biggest admirer, like in the world, like she would pick me over any famous person. She's like, you're like literally my idol. That, well, let me say something from, from a, a, a parent standpoint and, and a father to sons and as a son myself, in that relationship, people, we wish for our, for our kids, right, or, or our friends to like be safe, you know, to make it through the world and I hope nothing bad happens to you. But that's not a fact. That's not reality. That's impossible. There's going to be all kinds of storms and waves and things that are going to try and throw you off your path. And they're going to hurt you really bad. But the quality that, I, at least for me, I'm trying to instill, and I hope one day they grow up and tell me this, is that they have the ability to withstand it. 
that they're strong enough and that they believe in themselves that much and they know their inner fire. So the stuff that you're saying, um, it, to me is also like big props to your mom because she raised a human that is now saying that, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, she gets messages on Instagram all the time from people. It'll be like, I met your son for the first time and he's like amazing, like in this way or that way, or like what a great son or this or that. So if you actually go to my mom's Instagram right now, she has, you know, she grew up with five kids, right? It's her Instagram profile says, um, I'm on here to follow my amazing, my son and all his amazing CrossFit friends. That's her profile. Well, she like, she lives for it. You know, like she loves when people say anything about me. Like if, me being on this show, like, oh, you're going on Scott's? Like, she knows everything about Scott. You know, like, she knows everything about anybody who's ever been in my life, period. Any, well, any girl I've ever, one date with a girl, she's already in their DMs. Like, oh, like, how was it? Yeah. <laughs> she's awesome. She is awesome. But check this out. Um, we had a long conversation. Oh, you and my mom? We talked, actually, yesterday for a long time fascinating to me i wish i was recording the whole thing she's insane because i'm like <laughs> you're her I, accent we, oh we need to get you on the podcast oh yeah but check this out man because I, I asked her I'm, I'm like what makes you most proud of ryan and she told me this she said he has never followed the crowd he stays too true to himself and his values so pretty close and in, in yeah. what you think and then what she said i also asked her about the drive and we and we talked a little bit about about the dad stuff and I was trying to understand like where your drive comes from, where does this like this like unconquerable soul, this indomitable spirit, this this person that just wants to like crush everything and doesn't want to be beat, because that's not something that is like always just innate. Some maybe some people it is, but it's it's like a nature nurture thing. Like that has to be grown and and generally, not always, but generally sometimes that drive comes from a dark place, comes from pain. So I was kind of curious about that. I'm like, hey, is this where, do you think this is where some of that is coming from? And she told me, this is what she said, Ryan has been driven since day one. So she gave it all, she gave all the credit right back to you. Mm -hmm. She even told me about, and it's making sense now about how much you like being in the woods, spending time alone, because she's articulating that, how, how shy of a child you were. And how introverted you were. I was super shy. Which is why I she, would hide under the fucking table. Yeah. Like yeah. we would be at like a dinner somewhere and I'd just go under the table. I remember that. Well, and she said that's what made her put you into football. Because of Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, because of the the that shyness and the introvertedness. And that did help. Good move on her part. Uh she, she's told me some funny stories, man. Obviously, uh she's a riot too. Yeah. But you know what? Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um about about your mom she has a fantastic memory and she can articulate uh like events emotions and feelings in a way that's kind of unique to some people i think a lot of that stuff that she all all the stories about her should be you know maybe recorded maybe one day and you go home just do a podcast with her i told her i want to do it and she's like i don't think people are gonna want to hear the stuff i have to say i'm like mom can knock it off yeah they definitely want to hear it (laughs) oh my gosh yes yeah. I would love to host that, but <laughs> so we can do it I want to sure. go to New Jersey, spend, you know, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go knock on the grandparents door. But she also told me certain stories about your drive. And one of the things that she told me was in school, that's how you got that story about my cast in the beginning of the show. Yeah. 
I was going to say, there's no way he would know that. Oh, that was a little hint. <clears throat> I, I, I put that in. I dropped that in to, just to get your attention. Mm. I, was like, um, I was thinking, I was like, how did he know that? Um, <clears throat> I don't mess around here. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, blown, I'm, I'm ready for the rest of the show right now. Uh, and, I, and I told your mom the same thing. I was like, when I do these podcasts, I, I give my full effort and I want to do it right by the guests and the f- listeners and the family. And so I had to go deeper. Mm-hmm. So one of the stories you told me was how you came home from school one day and talking about how um, you weren't sure you're going to make it. You weren't sure you're going like, to almost like you were failing. And then she calls your teacher and finds out that you're nowhere near failing, that you're one of the best students. And then what happened is that you got an A minus and how <laughs> upset you were about an A minus. I just thought it was like, it's so weird that you can't like make everything perfect. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, I can, I should be able to get like a perfect score on everything. Like it doesn't make, if I know the answers and I study hard enough, like it doesn't make sense not to. So it always bothered me. Like if I didn't get it perfect on anything. So, well, no, <laughs> look, look, I'm laughing because I understand that, right? Because you have uh, uh, accountability, right? Is in your hands and you're like owning it. Like if it's up to me, it's awesome, sweet. That's exactly, leave it up to me. It's, I'm, I want to be in control of my own fate and knowing that I'm going to kick ass in everything I do. So I get it. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, here's, here's one question. I asked your mom, what makes him happy? And what do you think she said? Probably like whenever I do my adventure stuff. When it, when <laughs> stuff that's probably going to kill me is probably makes, makes me most happy. Well, she definitely did talk a lot about your fear and said that he's fearless. He always wants to do stuff that like would scare him. He wants to drive and move forward in that area. Um, and that fearlessness and that drive, like we talked about earlier, has some shadows. And I always say like ambition has costs. So if someone is completely driven towards something, there's generally going to be something that's going to fall off the plate. Now, here's your plate. You have some stuff on it. Stuff keeps coming, but some stuff has to fall off to be like have an assassin's like a, a drive towards a goal. And so of all the questions I asked her, that was one little area where she was kind of like, I don't want to say hesitant, but it wasn't as clean of an answer. And she was kind of concerned, not concerned, because I don't want to speak too much uh, for her. So this is all paraphrasing, but about that drive and how dedicated you are to the gym and how much work you're putting into it. If there's still time to breathe and focus and have fun and relax and, and kind of be happy and happy in a sense that's not necessarily directly tied to the work and to see, like to be able to see through a bigger picture and not just a little, a little, a little hole, a little box. Yeah. Well, she wants me to have kids now and like settle down and all that, but I mean, I would love to do that, but the right person just hasn't come along. I feel like my life will change quite a bit when I find someone that we can be on the same page, but I'm picky. I just want to listen. Yeah. The drive you have right in every aspect because in working out, like you're the type of person, let's just say someone's working out next to you and it gets kind of hard and then they, they just quit. I'm guessing you can't have a relationship with that kind of person. No. Right. Uh, no, no, no thought on that at all. That right. Instant no, 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 absolutely. 
I, trust me, I, I get it because mm-hmm. I've been there and someone did that and I was like, you're done for me for the rest of your life. Like, mm-hmm. I know who you are. Yep. Um, you could have just went slower and sucked at it, but you had to quit. And or I, just stop mm-hmm. for a little while and then keep going. Like, you're actually just just quitting. Yeah. That's happening. From a 95-pound barbell. Yeah. Or even just a bar. It could just be a bar. Dude, yeah. But, uh, man. <laughs> so, but even still, so that drive, uh, that that unconquerable soul goes into other areas, right? It goes into how you work out, how you run your business, the expectation you have of coaches, how you eat, uh, everything in your life. And so the bar is really high in a lot of different areas. And sometimes having that high of a bar for yourself alienates you. It puts you on a little island Mm -hmm. because no one's going to match that. It's not, it's not normal. And just because it's not normal doesn't mean it's, you can't not accept it. But having that, is, it seems like a strength, but at the same time, it's a weakness. No, and I didn't really notice that that was like a weakness until like probably like this year. Because like now I have the podcast, the online program, the gym. Like I have like other things I'm trying to get off the ground and like all these different things. And I've actually gotten to the point now where like some of my friends, they might even say like, oh, dude, like I was going to hit you up, but I just figured you were super busy or like I didn't even know you'd like be into that or like whatever. They just think that I'm just like this like zoned in like CEO guy who's just like wants to conquer the world. And they're just like, okay, I'm just going to let you do that. (laughs) And I'm like, no, I still want to hang out. I still want to have fun. Like I'm still a cool dude. Like everything's fine. I just, my mom, like, particularly is always like she has an uncanny ability to call me at the worst part of my day or at the part of my day where I haven't eaten anything yet and I'm just hangry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when she calls. Naturally. And I'm like, shit. So then I'll literally just be like, Mom, I can't talk right now. I gotta go. And she'll be like, You're gonna die. You're gonna kill yourself. <laughs> You're gonna <laughs> This is like not what you need. This is not good for you. And I'm like, oh mom, I understand, but like you don't understand like you just called at the worst time. Um you know, she also told me some funny stories about beanie babies. Oh yeah. We used, to, <laughs> we, used to, we used to collect those and go everywhere trying to get those things. But they had to stay lined up. They had to yeah. be perfect. They had to stay in their box. Uh, she also told me funny stories about... Uh, I was never weird, though. You know, I was just was very... Like, actually, I guess, fuck, I was weird. I, I was mean, about to say. That's like, <laughs> so listen, like when I was a like kid... Like if it's your thing to you, it's not weird, but... I wonder if she told you this. So like, I'm probably the only kid in existence that when I was a kid... I would beg to go to military school. Did she tell you that? Mm-mm. I would be like, mom, I would show her these photos of like uh, kids like in military school, like in their uniform, they were standing there and like, they just look so badass. And my mom's like, you know, that's not like, that's not a good thing to be in military school. It's like either punishment or like they're already like a military family or something like you don't you don't want that i'm like no 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 could you imagine like every day it'd be like you know what's gonna happen and everything's lined up and like you get to run every day and i remember just thinking it was the coolest thing in the whole world and like my mom like literally just wouldn't even let me go you know uh but as a kid i wanted to go to military school because i loved like order and even now like i just love to just like just fucking this is how it's going to be for today and whatever i love it it's that's that's a normal it's a normal thing for 
the type of personality you have. Yeah. I mean, in college, I studied psychology, but there was a point in time where I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life. I knew I was like, I knew something was there. I just hadn't figured it out yet. And so to figure something else out, I have to figure out myself. Hence the sign up here means know thyself above my shoulder. And that was, I took some personality courses, like personality assessment courses in college. And they, I went through like all those fancy tests. Didn't help because I was like down the middle in most of them. But some of them pointed out like there's this, the one called the disc theory. Um, not going to, people, if you're interested in the disc theory, Google it. And there's actually some tests that you can take online and it'll tell you which one you are. And they'll go, oh, wow. Okay. That makes sense. And then if you know how you are, you, you might be able to recognize the personality of other people in your life. And then you, you'll see clearly of, of why you guys have a hard time getting along sometimes because this person is this way and you're this way. And so they don't always match. That's a whole other topic. But understanding that, understanding order, understanding that you need uh, some solitude, introspection, intuitiveness, uh, the drive, the, the, um, the accountability. It all make, it's all like, I don't want to say textbook because the whole thing is all theoretical anyways. Mm-hmm. But the information, the information is out there. Um, she also told me about your funny story about how snowboarding and they had like the Halloween costume thing. And so you went out in just shorts only mm-hmm. and you snowboard in just spare shorts <laughs> across, across the water. Yep. Yeah. And she told me about falling in the lake. Yeah. I didn't make it. So I landed in the lake. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, Ryan's going to die. Yeah. She always thinks I'm going to die all the time. I'm always posting stuff and she's like, you're going to give me an early grave. <clears throat> well, I mean, hers will be earlier than mine. That's for well, sure. <laughs> Well, actually, you no. never know, yeah, man. You never know, actually. Yeah, you never know. Um, let's see what else? She also was very, um, you know, she definitely had the sense of like wanting, not wanting, but she under she had a concern about the the ability to find a partner, right? Because obviously, like a mom is going to worry about her son and settling down if that's a thing that you would want. I do like really bad. And all my, my last, fuck the last couple girlfriends I had were great. It was just like, when I look back on it, (laughs) the things that I get mad about, it's like, I'm a super easy person to be with. I think in my opinion, like I just want to do my thing and I'm for the most part in a good mood all the time. And I'm always down for like adventure and I'm always down for like doing fun stuff. Like I, I don't like to really sit around and do nothing. Um, I always get along with the parents. Parents always love me. Everything's good there. But like when the girl gets like lazy and they're like, not, they don't really have any like aspirations in life. I feel like that kind of brings me down. So I feel like I need someone who's kind of like equally like driven and I just haven't found that person yet. I just like, I don't need them to like make a lot of money or anything. I just want them to be like genuinely passionate about something that's not like in an unhealthy way. Like my last girlfriend, I think that she's like the most beautiful girl I've ever seen in my life. That girl, Erin, who was coaching for me at the gym. She just moved back to Utah. Um, she kind of had like a fitness addiction. I had her on my podcast actually talking about it. And she just like let working out be like the most important thing in her life. And I just felt like so far down the totem pole. And it was just like such a strange feeling. Like her like addiction was getting worse. 
but like her as a person was amazing. And like, I had actually talked about having kids with her and like, I like loved that girl so much, but like, there was just like one thing. And I had another girlfriend who like, what well, did, did she have pre- previous addictions? Uh, not that I know of. She just, she, but she's been in the fitness like addiction realm for like a really long yeah. time. Like she hasn't had her period in like 10 years. Cause she's oh, like, wow. yeah, it's really bad. So we would talk about it yeah. and I'd see her at the gym and I would, and like nicely I'd be like, yo, you've done too much. Like go home. It's over. You know? Cause like we're, you know, yeah. we talked about like her getting her period back and like being a functional woman again. Says Ryan Fisher. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like she must've been going nuts. That's what I'm saying. Like if I'm saying something yeah, then yeah. like, okay, like let's relax, you know? So, I mean, I thought that was, you know, there was a point there where I thought that was going to be it and everything was going to be great in that, but you know, something happened. I don't ever have any like bad breakups where we're like, oh man, like F him, like it's over or whatever. Yeah. It's usually like a casual thing. Like, all right, this is not going to work out. And I'm usually still friends with the person. But in my mom's defense, I haven't had a lot of relationships in my life because I am so busy. Like even right now, if I had one, like I don't, I don't know if it would be beneficial for me or not. Like it would and it wouldn't be like it would take me away from something which could be a good thing, maybe. Um, but it would also add something that definitely is missing. Like, yep. I'd, I'd love to have like someone around that, that shared all the same things I wanted to do. Like, I randomly will jump on airplanes on the weekend and literally fly to some random place and do something really cool for a weekend, and I'll do it by my damn self. And I'll just go to a hostel and hope that someone is cool there that I can hang out with, right? What type of person, I don't, in my opinion, like wouldn't want to do that? Like, I feel like if you're a girl and you have a guy who wants to do stuff like that, I feel like that's awesome. But that stresses out some girls, you know? Like, yeah, I don't want to do yeah. that. I'm like, oh, really? Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm certainly not a, a relationship relationship expert, you know? But I will say that there has to be, not has to be, but my recommendation there is to have some... Uh, a level of understanding and tolerance, right? And it's and the differences is also what helps build perspective. Because if you guys are both like, you know, if I put this this book up right here, and we're gonna have this relationship, then you're telling me this side, I'm looking at this side, and then we can listen and grow and understand this better. Mm-hmm. But if you're both, if we're both over there. And we're always, always, it's like being in an echo chamber, right? If it's always the same, then we're losing out on perspective and other, th- other areas. Well, there's, well, Aaron, and then I had another um, girlfriend, this girl, Kim, when I first opened my gym, I think that the two of them, those two girls literally have changed my thought process, my work ethic, like tons of different things. Like Kim was, she had a full-time job, and was in school and had like a side job and was like taking care of her parents and like would be at the gym when I first opened at four in the morning and help me sign people up and help me at the desk and like, and would get me food on her lunch break and bring it to the gym. I mean, she was insane. I literally remember being like, Oh my God, like I don't work that hard. And I genuinely thought that she crushed me in work ethic and Aaron was Mormon and just, super you know mormon people are usually just super nice and just have a different outlook on the world and she made me look at the world in a different way um and i think that most people who meet me in in like the last two years and i think you've even said it yourself and and ronnie when i met when i saw ronnie teasdale for our last episode 
I believe it's raw. Oh, it's it's actually Ravi. Ra- yeah, Ravi. I can. But um, Ravi Chan. People will meet me and they're like, "Dude, you just have like a totally different vibe now." I can just tell that you're like a lot more laid back. Like maybe I'm stressed out in my life on, in other things, but like my actual presence is much different. I'm not like as intense and all that. And I think that comes from Aaron. Um, and I'm super thankful for that. So like, I do believe that relationships can put, can bring a massive. Yep. <clears throat> yep. But it's effect into your life. Yeah. You definitely seem happier to me. Yeah. And before like claws out and fangs out and just wanting to crush everybody. Yeah. All the time. So, I mean, that comes, that, I mean, it still comes like when I'm working out in the gym and if oh, I, absolutely. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> Um, when you're in like the workout, right. And it's in the heat of it and you start to kind of like, there's always this internal dialogue and I've learned, especially reading, um, uh, Ryan Muncy's book, fuck your feelings, which is, he was on last episode, understanding that dialogue and actually it's coming from different parts of the brain and how, how that works the relationship of your limbic system and your prefrontal cortex, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. It's there. So you have voices in your head. What's that conversation in your head like? Once everything starts to hurt, I let myself know that, okay, we, we just started working out, right? You got to the gym. The hardest part was getting to the gym and deciding that you're going to work out, right? Because I have a lot of stuff on my plate and I'm, I think a lot about what I need to get done for the day as I'm warming up. And it's really hard to shut that off. So once I get into the pain zone... Now I'm like, all right, cool. Like I've officially made it. Now let's go to work, you know? Like let's see how hard I can make myself hurt. And like I actually get really excited for it. So like once I'm in the pain cave, I just like try to hang out there for as long as I can. And then eventually I have a thought of, okay, Ryan, you don't compete anymore, so you don't need to do this. Mm -hmm. And then I have another one that's like, you might not get to work out the rest of the day, so let's fucking leave it all on the table right now. So I have those two thoughts kind of at the same time. And sometimes like you don't need to do this takes over if it's something that is physically hurting me. Like I have a really bad knee now and I'll feel it and I'll back away. Um, and then if it's something that's not bothering me, you know, it's like an upper body type of workout. I'm like, let's fucking go. Let's bleed. Let's get this thing going. But I, in my head, as soon as it starts to hurt, like most people are trying to figure out what they're going to do at that point. Like, I get like really, really excited and I get like an extra endorphin boost like that on Nintendo excite bike. Yeah. 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 A little boost. That, that's me like when I get to the pain, pain cave. But that, that drive though also, I mean. I so, know in my head that a lot of people can't do it. And I've told people that before. Like when I get to that point, like how, how do you deal with it? And I'm like, well, I think it's exciting to know that you can't do it. And that's why you're asking me, right? Like I know you can, but like that person who's asking me, they don't understand it. And I like that they don't understand it. And I like that 90% of the other people in the world don't understand it either. That, if we were to bottle up, I don't know what to call it, let's just say that, that drive right there to push forward despite the pain. It's, there's, yeah, there's physical pain, right? But physical pain is temporary. It's like mm-hmm. a, it's a perception. For you, or, for you and I, but for everybody yeah. else, that's, no, that, but that's, that's, that's scary. my thing. It's a perception. It's not really like a real thing. Mm. Like if you keep going, your arm's not going to fall off. You're not going to break your face. You're not going to bleed to death. It's just discomfort. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It's just it's discomfort. Whoop de do. Like in, I'm in a controlled environment. I've got a roof. There's no wolves out here. I'm not like no bears. No murder. It's like just some discom- discomfort. Yeah. And so, 
the it's like a metaphor there to the ability to withstand that and then stay calm and keep moving forward despite the perception and the little voice that's telling you to stop and that little voice pops up and is always deceptive mm-hmm. there's a funny story that I, that and it sticks with me and actually before i tell it are there anything like any little cues that you do to help yourself like do you have here's an example <clears throat> so when I'm doing a workout, you, you, I write down like, okay, uh, I don't know, let's just say 5, 10, 15, like Cindy style. Mm-hmm. I write that down. But in my head, I also write down, uh, don't look down, don't bend over, keep your hands off your hips, keep a neutral face, nasal breathe. That's like, that's part of the workout to me. Mm-hmm. And so those are all like mental cues. I literally never think about anything like that. So, but if it, it helps. So let's just say if I start to look down, I'm always like, I just no repped my own like sense of code in this workout. Yeah. And so like, don't do it. Boom. It's just a correction. Boom. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, keeping the face neutral and not making the victim face, as I say, or put the poor me face, you know, like this one. Oh, that's me all day though. Eh, eh, eh. I, I live in the ugly face zone for sure. And I'm always like yelling and gritting. Like I, I definitely don't have like a stoic workout face or style at all. But if that face, like you can make like one like this, you know, like, yeah. Like if your facial expression is almost like a, it's like posture. Like mm-hmm. it's, it affects if you're, if you're affecting your posture, it's going to affect your mind and it's going to affect your ability to withstand whatever you're going through. Um, so that's why like I'll stand up and that's why the neutral face for me is also I'm trying to relax this. There's no reason my body's going through something. I don't need to stress out my face. Mm-hmm. I don't need to freak out these cranial nerves. I, like this doesn't, the poor me face does nothing for helping me get through. In fact, it's hurting me because I'm, it affects my blood pressure. So I'm like, namaste, my face, yeah. you know, <laughs> namaste because I have enough problem as it is. I don't want to add another layer of stress. This is difficult. I don't need to add anything else to make it anything else more difficult. So that's what I was wondering. Do you have like little cues? So you probably do. So you probably scream. These are all probably cues to help you stay like mentally on track. Mm-hmm. Another, uh, so the, the story I was going to tell you was I was in college. I'm not sure I've told this on this podcast, but I was in college and again, like out of high school, I was kind of young high school, I turned 18, like after I graduated and I went to, to college and was amongst all these, I remember the day my parents dropped me off, like out of the van, my dad had a VW van. It was like in the parking lot and then walk into the men's locker, like a college football team, walk into the locker room and it was immediately getting in line for some gear. And I'd gotten out, I walked in and I saw like muscle and hair. That's, that's like, holy smokes. Like, and again, I had just turned 18. I was kind of a late bloomer. And I saw this like, oh, this is, oh my gosh. I think I probably grew an inch and grew, like <laughs> really hit puberty really hard in that one moment. Yeah. So I was already in there freaking out. And then we went right into camp, super sore, like like could barely walk downstairs um, and was eating like top ramen and tuna, like no idea really about nutrition. And... It was practice. It was like halfway through camp. And our offensive coordinator starts telling us a story. And he's like, come here. 
like and he's like this big old aggressive like never smiled always angry and he says he starts talking about like this little, you know that little you always have that little voice in your head that's telling you that you know it's okay to drink it's okay to sleep in it's okay to delay on your homework it's okay to not work so hard it's okay to not run that sprint that hard it's okay to to eat that mcdonald's late at night it's okay to not come in and do your after practice workouts that's all easy and that little voice is telling you it's easy and it's okay but you got to look over your shoulder and go fuck you little man (laughs) 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 so that fuck you little man is stuck with me so whenever i hear that little voice i'm i mentally am saying fuck you little man yeah like no Mm -mm. so that's like a cue that pops in my head i like that yeah, every time. It's like, it's crazy. Um, I had a coach in high school because I ran track. And he told me that at the end of every practice, no matter how much we ran, no matter how hard we ran, no matter what we did, no matter how hard the workout was, if we went home and drank a soda, that the entire practice was gone. No matter what we did that day, it's erased because he drank the soda. Because he was trying to get us to eat healthier. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a... And, dude, I was fucking terrified my whole life to drink a soda. Like, literally, I didn't drink a soda. I still haven't drank a soda. And I was, like, fucking... Ele- I, was like, I was so young, and I'm 32 now, and I still have not drank a soda. I, I, I literally cannot even look at one without thinking of him saying that. And I was terrified to dude, drink a soda. that's a great cue, though. My parents, like, they have two liter of Pepsi on the... Every dinner at, uh, at my house, every mm-hmm. night, two liter of Pepsi. And I remember just that day, I was like, nope. My mom's like, why? I'm like, coach said that if I drink that, my whole practice was worth nothing. Yeah, not ain't having that. Nope. And I started from that day on. That's actually how I got into like eating healthy. I was like obsessed with him because he like he was like ripped. You know, it was like my first time I ever seen anybody who like looked really good. And I was like, I want to be like him. You know, another funny. And that's one of those things that I never forgot. So like, I always think about it now. Like when I see a young kid and I say something, and I, I want it to be like something that he'll remember. I always think of like a way to say it where he's like, yeah, oh, fuck, yeah. like I'm never going to forget that. Yep. It's funny how like those, those little moments in one sentence and you just remember it forever. Yep. And it could change your life forever. Yep. There's a few, there's a few ways memory works. Because you know how like you, you go through days, right? And you forget most of them. Like what did you do like, like 16 weeks ago on a Tuesday? It's like, <laughs> I don't know. So <laughs> like there's a few ways that memory works. And the same thing when it comes to studying uh, or reading books or listening to people. In fact, it's a great thing to remember if you're reading a book and you actually want to retain the information. And that is, if you're reading something or learning something, there has to be some type of uh, attachment. So let's say you meet somebody and you're like, hey, my name is Scott. And then like five minutes later, like, oh, what's your name again? But if I, if I said a name that say was like your mom's or your girlfriend's or your dog's, it, you have an, already have a mental attachment. So you're attaching it to it. If it's not that, it has to make an impact. And that's usually what these things, like that sentence and that stuff, those things make impacts. And that's how you remember them. If it's not an impact or an attachment, it's repetition. You got to rep it out. It is interesting. Non-stop. Rep, 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 Like people rep, in the rep. gym, I'll literally be signing them up and I'll ask them their name and I'll instantly forget it. Yep. But there is certain times when you yep. hear someone's name, you never forget it. And so, so <laughs> knowing that, and that's how, that's how you see in crowds and people remember names like, oh, like 30 names. Because they're, they're making uh, a mental attachment to something that they already know. Like, I don't know, you can picture, uh, uh, like, say my name was, I use Batman, for example, uh, Bruce. If you looked at me and just thought, oh, Batman, 
you can remember Bruce mm-hmm. because you're attaching it. So that's how you could do it with your members. If they come in, just find something to attach it to and you won't forget it. Interesting. Or if you don't, look at him and say, Ryan, his name is Ryan. Ryan, 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 yeah. Ryan, Ryan. Yeah. You got to rep it out. Yeah. Ryan, what's up, Ryan? Hey, Ryan. Ryan. Okay, I got it now. Um, do you think, um, I don't want to think about how I want to phrase this because it's almost like, because people are really attracted like on Instagram, for example, which is a whole weird thing, it but is. people are really uh, interested in your ability to push through pain and that drive. Now that drive transcends into other areas of life. Mm-hmm. And this is something I've talked about. And that is one of the things I really like about CrossFit, people come in, they face adversity, they go hard. And a lot of people put all they have into it. Obviously, not everybody does. And so I try, just like you probably try not to like judge that. Like, hey, they're here. They're doing this. And maybe a year ago, they weren't even doing any of this. Yeah. So understanding people's perspective and understanding what they're going through. Because generally, people are bringing something in and there's a reason why they're, why they're training. It's not necessarily just to hurt. But that type of drive that people come in and, and the stuff that you have is, does it reflect to the remaining 23 hours of their day? It seems like some people come in and try really, really, really hard in a workout, but then not try that hard in their relationship or not try that hard as a, as a brother or that tr- not, not take that same effort into being an employee. It's like an interesting thing I've started to notice. But I think generally in CrossFitters kind of have that like, you know, like high drive to excel in things. In everything. Yeah. And, but I think they have that prior. And that's part of the reason why they're attracted to CrossFit because it gives them a chance to do their thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the other way around. Yeah, you might be right. I, 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 it can be the other way around. I've seen people kind of cycle into that. Yeah. I think what's you just have such great role models in class, you know, like there's the guy that maybe looks the way that you want to look, or maybe there's the guy who gets the best score, or maybe there's the guy who, you know, has an autistic kid and a really gnarly job and still somehow is like the nicest human on the planet or something like that. Right. It's just like, there's like always like somebody that you're like looking up to, you know, even I look up to like several people in class, like all the time. There's this one guy, Jerome, that, I train every once in a while when I get time. Guy travels like on an airplane like every single day. He's like responsible for trading like $500 million plus on the stock market every day. Like he still somehow has like a great relationship with his wife and his kids and they go and do cool shit all over the world. And there's another guy, this guy, John, that I, I, he invites me over his house all the time. He just has such a gnarly job and he's traveling all the time. He's so nice. And does like the coolest stuff like all the time too. So I think um, you look up to these people and maybe you came in just to just to work out. And before you know it, you're like, you're thinking about your job. Like I've had people who literally like they come to the gym and they don't even want to do what they do anymore for work. They're like, I want to do this. Like I met this guy and, and, and great things happen to them. Yep. And beyond that, they start changing their diet. They start hanging out with a different crowd. They start drinking less. 
um, because they're drinking less, they start looking into other things to do. So now maybe they're mountain biking or paddle boarding or whatever. And before you know it, they meet someone else who's like that. And then now their whole life is totally different. Yep. And, and that stage, I guess crazy. Like, so you've worked, you've gone through a lot of stuff we haven't talked about that, you know, we've, you, you've been, well, we talked a big part about your relationship with your, your family. Right. And you spent time in Hawaii. You, you've, you've done, done helicopter pilot stuff. You've gone to, through Utah, um, and done the Olympic, which is weird to even, you're like, Oh, what's that? Let me try that and go yeah. do it. <laughs> um, but all, all these little slices of your life, right. Have, have are like making you stronger and giving you perspective. And then you've come up to like, it seems to me like you have this little slice in your life now, right? Right now. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting on like such like a, this like super powerful, like, world changing thing it's not just a gym like people have it's just there's walls and there's exercise equipment and people come in and exercise but like you're saying it's way bigger than that because what you're doing like those people that are walking in like what you're creating in these people have the ability to 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 cause ripple effects throughout their life and probably through generations because they they might come in and well, first of all, they might come in and meet their future husband or wife and then have kids out of it. Happens a lot. Yep. And so th- if you think about like that and, and not just like on a horizontal field, but also uh, linear and vertically through generations. And so I don't know, man, I, just, I, I hope you're able to take a step back and really like appreciate that opportunity. I think you are. I write about that stuff on my Instagram all the time. Yep. I feel like that's like one thing a lot of people don't really do enough of is I, I'm always on my Instagram saying like, thank you guys for like everything. And like, there's so many people out there that just help so much. You know, I like, I always like to tell all my online community, like, thank you for following me and whatever. And I'm always like as grateful as I possibly can be for everything. And I do realize that it's because of everybody who follows me and believes in me and supports the brand. Yep. And- Cause the brand is everything. Like the podcast is real chalk. The gym is chalk. And the online programming is chalk online programming. And the gym is chalk. And I really was looking forward to sweet fruit, but whatever. <laughs> sweet fruit. Hopefully you guys have been around in my life to, <laughs> to know that story. Uh, I saw this thing popped up on Instagram and I took a screenshot of it because it made me think of you. And I, part of what I wanted to throw in this conversation and that was two things that define you. Your patience when you have nothing and your attitude when you have everything. And so I, I saw that. I just want you to know I thought about you. That's cool. Because the, the, you're right, man. At this point, like how you affect other people and then your gratitude when you have, because this is, I mean, right now, this is outside of like, you know, maybe possibly a relationship. But this is like, would you say this is like the pinnacle of your life so far? Are you the happiest now that you've been in a long time? Um, Happiest? I can't say I would fulfilled. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I have a purpose on the planet. Like not like a purpose that we're like, I'm changing the world, but like I, f- I like that people like genuinely are excited <clears throat> to hear what I have to say or genuinely are excited to like turn their phone on and see what the workout is going to be tomorrow. And like, care about me enough to write me a message and say, please don't get on your one wheel anymore. Cause if you get hurt, 
the world is going to lose a great person. Like people have actually said that to me, which I think is pretty amazing. The, the fact that anyone even cares enough to take the time out of their day to tell me something like that. So I think that's really, really cool. Um, there's still a couple things missing, I think, to make me like fully, fully happy. What are they? Um, so someone to share it all with, for sure. Um, I'd like to do more for my parents. I think if my mom lived here, I'd be a little happier. I don't like the situation she's in. Like my brothers and sisters aren't really that not nice to her really back back home. Um, and there's just not a lot there for her. And I feel like she deserves more than that. Let's move her out of here. I've tried. I told her she could have my money to buy a house. I told her I'd even buy like a duplex and she'd live in half of it. That would be an awesome like reality show. She's man. really fucking up right now. She could. <laughs> um, I did tell her that I'm like, you can literally have every penny I have. It's fine. Why does she want to stay out there? Uh, my whole everybody's out there. Uh, so yeah. I mean, think about all my brothers and sisters, and think about all their kids. Well, maybe but they're she... not even nice to her. Like they're actually mean to her. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like stressful for her. You know, but. Well, maybe she could do part time, man. Like, well, I just took my stepdad to Europe. We went to uh, Switzerland and France, and did all these hikes and did all this cool stuff. And my goal now is to get my bring my mom somewhere. Um, that's always been my my goal. Like, once everything was going well, to do something cool for them. So my mom doesn't really like to fly, but I'd like to get her to go somewhere. Let me ask you, like, like almost like the the difference in drive and happiness between like now and, and the time you were living on a couch. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you want to say happy in that regards then fucking I'm light years ahead of that. When I was on the couch, I remember like laying down at night sometimes, even though I was confident, like I remember just laying down and just like, Oh man, like the amount of stress that would go like through me thinking about what tomorrow was going to be. Cause like, I didn't know if I was going to get a job or if how much longer I was going to be allowed to stay on this girl's couch for how uncomfortable I was staying there. Like how everything I had, and I'd already been on the Olympic teams and I had had my helicopter license and I had had my degree and like all these things. And it didn't mean shit. Cause I was still laying on this couch. Right. Like I'm thinking about all these things and I'm like, why is nothing good happening? And I'm stealing like food from grocery stores and stuff. And then like, I mean, nothing's really going right in them. And I remember like just having like anxiety attacks, like nightly. Like I would close my eyes and be like, why am I even going to sleep? You don't even deserve to sleep. You didn't even fucking do anything today. So I definitely don't go to bed like that anymore. No, no. But um, there's definitely a huge step of happiness in that direction. But, oh yeah, you know, man, there's, there's, that's a hard one. So, when, when talking about success and perspective and gratitude, I've had a lot of su- successful people on the show and know a bunch of them, obviously, both walks of life, uh, 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 both walks of the end of the spectrum in my life. And I've noticed that there is a little bit of a theme of people that have success and gratitude, and that is they've, sent, they've spent some time on someone's couch. Like, that's like a... I don't know. It's kind of becoming more clear to me. It's almost like planting the seed of gratitude is in someone else's couch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I yeah. don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'm onto something there, but it, there seems to be some type of theme there. That could be a cool book right there. Oh, uh, planting the seed. Of, uh, yeah. On the couch. I like that. I like, like, I like the theme of it. 
Yeah, yeah. But and that, I'm sure you could literally bring in so many successful people that have had the same story. Yeah. Well, it, it keeps coming up, and I, I don't know, man. It's like um. Even Steve Jobs, I think, was on a couch at some point. I bet Paul. Paul, you slept on a couch. You ever lived on a couch? No, I'm not offered that couch. <laughs> He's off. See. Well, that's still some. That's some empathy right there. Um. Might get some residual seed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's watering. You know, he's watering the seed. He's a cracked pot. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Uh, one thing I I wanted to point out, and I just thinking back on the on previous guests here, and so you, earlier you were mentioning the the military school, mm-hmm. and I don't know if this is true, but I see a parallel here, and that is Andy Petronic, uh, you know. The, the founder of CrossFit LA and now runs Whole Life Challenge was on the show and he was talking about uh, when he went to the military and he was in the Marine Corps and um, at that time he didn't realize it but what he was looking for was a father figure and that's what drove him into the military and so oh, I don't yeah. yeah so I don't know if that has anything to do or perspective on I would say that's probably partially true yeah mainly like the, mainly maybe like you, you get a tight family you get these father really mean and aggressive father figures even still to this day like my favorite movies are military movies like even to this day still i always i always like like the camaraderie yep of like those types of movies well that could be part of the reason why yeah um did you ever have any thought of joining yeah my entire life that's like all i ever wanted to do my mom was just trying to steer me away from it it's actually how i got into crossfit i wanted to be a seal and i spent a very long time trying to get into the process. So I passed all my tests. I passed all the physical tests. I got like some of the highest scores in the country. I went through uh, the physical and then I had to get a specific eye surgery called uh, PR, uh, PRK. Yeah. Um, and it was basically, it's not like LASIK where they, they flip your eye back and then sh- reshape your cornea and put the flap back. Mm-hmm. They cut the whole flap off. So for like a week, I couldn't even see my eye layer was like growing back and it was basically like, so if you jumped out of an airplane or you were like uh, scuba diving or something like that, that like that piece wouldn't ever come undone. So I, I paid thousands of dollars for this surgery. I went and talked to like different brigadier generals and stuff to get letters of recommendation so that I could become, I wanted to be an officer because I'd always had a history of getting hurt. <laughs> um, so I didn't want to like be an enlisted person signing up, and then for God forbid I get hurt and then I'm just like an enlisted person in the Navy. I wanted to go in as an officer no matter what. Uh, worst case scenario, I'd just mm. be an officer in the military doing something. So um, that was like all I cared about when I got out of college. And I, someone had told me you should go to this CrossFit gym and just to do it to get in shape. And we think that that would help you a lot. So I go to this gym. I didn't know anybody in CrossFit, right? So... The guy that introduces me into the gym in my first class is Tommy Hackenbrock, who's like a pretty big name now. Yep. Uh, but he had just got second place at the CrossFit Games that year. So he was like a badass dude. And I didn't even give him, you know, anything. Like I didn't let him know that I knew who he was. And I didn't know who he was. I had no, no cares. Yep. So we did a workout that day. And <laughs> it was like a, a record workout. And I got like two seconds off of his time my first day in the gym and he's like i need you in this gym like i need you here and i'm like yeah like i'm down to work out and whatever but like my goal is to go to the military 
And he's like, you know, you don't understand. Like you could be like an athlete and like, this could be like your thing and whatever. And I'm like, nah, you don't understand. I don't really want to do that. And then he tells me how much money it is. And I'm like, Oh my Lord, you want me to spend $150 a month on this place? (laughs) (laughs) I remember just being like, I can go to 24 hour fitness for 20 bucks and it's way nicer, you know, because his gym wasn't very nice. And then, um, he's like, dude, you just work out with me during open gym when no one's here and it's free. I'm like, all right. So I started working out with him. And then all of a sudden, like my name was exploding in the community. I was like this freak of nature in the beginning. Um, and I was like beating Rich Froning in workouts, like on the regular and taping it and then putting it online and such. So, um, yeah. And I just got addicted to it and just wanted to take over my life. But until that time, I wanted to go in the military. And even, even still, like if my knee wasn't so messed up, I'd still probably think about it. It'd be something I've always wanted to do. Dang, Tommy. Mm. Sabotaging the Navy SEAL career. Yeah. I was really excited for it. I was swimming all the time and running all the time. And yeah, I had to get my special eye surgery, all that stuff. I was really, really into it. My mom was terrified. She loves the way that it worked out now. Yeah, yeah, I bet. I mean, really what mom wants their their kid to go in some type of lethal combat career. I'd be dead for sure. Nah, man. (laughs) I'd be the maniac guy who like did something ridiculous. I don't know. No, you know what? Because you, 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 I'm ha- smart, but at the same time, I'm insane in some of those scenarios. Yeah, but, but. but you would, it would be like controlled insanity. You know, like George Carlin always talks about, not always, obviously, but he has a stand up about three types of people in this world. It's pretty funny. He's like, he's like, if you're talking to people, uh, keep a pad and paper with you. And he's like, keep track of them. If you're talking to someone and you're like, oh, they're stupid. He's like, and these, this is going to be all day. He's just making jokes about how many stupid people come across. Yeah. And if you're talking to someone that's not stupid, you're like, oh, they're full of shit. So like, yeah, all right. And then the third person is, I know what you're thinking. Well, I'm not stupid and I'm not full of shit. <laughs> what am I? And the last category is, you're fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's like, so then I'm like, oh, that makes sense. So any type of, like, generally people that do CrossFit, I would say a majority of, of the population would think they're nuts, right? Mm. So, yeah. Like, hey. You want to sure. go over there and work out so hard you throw up? That's nuts, man. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah, it's weird. You're going to have self-induced vomit. Yeah. <laughs> right? And call it fitness. Okay, that's nutty. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, I joke around, even in, in law enforcement, to do that career, uh, firefighter, like uh, ER doctors, um, paramedics, um, military, you got to be nutty, man. Because you're going towards like trauma and kind of excited about it. Like, oh, is it gun battle? Sweet. Ha, where? Let me go. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird, it's a weird thing to be. So but that makes sense, man. And that, would you say that's like your biggest regret? Um, yeah, like as far as like things I wanted to do in my life, that, that was be something I definitely always would pop up in my head probably first. I'd be like, oh, I wish I joined the military. Let me well, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but let's say knowing that you wouldn't have chalk, would you still have done it? The reason I don't know the answer to the question is I don't know what I would do when I got out. And that was something I researched a lot. I was like, what, what does happen when someone gets out? And it seemed like the best thing to do would just be in for 20 years and then you'd be done. Uh, cause a lot of them come out and they're looking to either be firemen or police officers yeah. or a lot of things that civilian people can do. So the only difference is you come out and you have like money to do things and yeah. go to school for free or whatever it is. But there's certain parts, man. Like you don't know one, you don't know, uh, timing. You don't know if you'd end up in LA. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you don't know, like, from that moment, like, all the experience you've gathered is what has made you into what you are. You know, so you never, you, it's hard to say. I do know, obviously, I mean, I work with a bunch of them. There's a bunch in our fire department. There's a bunch uh, I know that have gyms. You know, it's a, it's a job. It's not necessarily like a overriding in control of your life thing. It's not yeah. like your life is over. So Yeah, for sure. I mean, I... I, there was a lot of things I looked into be- between the job when you get out and then like I always wanted to have kids so I feel like the family life part of it didn't look very good on paper. It's like 80% divorce rate for SEALs specifically and then um, yeah, just like all those things. I don't like actually regret it. Like regret, yeah. regret it, you know? But it is one of those things I'm like I kind of wish that I had done yeah. that. Yep. I'm right there with you, man. If I had to pick a regret well, if I had to write one down, that would be it. I just didn't have exposure to it at the right time. But the other regrets that I look at are, are um, a side note, are like missed opportunities where I could have helped somebody or made them feel better and I didn't. Like there are those times mm-hmm. and those hurt. But because ultimately like regret is it, it, doing it might be really just service to myself. Which is important, but I, I, you know, I take into account other people. Mm-hmm. So if regret costs like the ability to help a bunch of people, then it seems like a pretty good regret to have. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, your gym is absolutely beautiful. You have like all kinds of fun stuff in it, uh, like a beautiful bathroom and a locker room and showers and stuff, which isn't normal, especially for anyone that started CrossFit like before 2010. That wasn't normal. Yeah. It was like one toilet and a sink, maybe. And it was dirty. Yeah, totally. So it's it, the whole fitness CrossFit, at least if we're going to pigeonhole ourselves there is kind of improving or the expectation is different. Mm-hmm. If you could add anything to your gym, what would you add? I don't think I would add anything. I just want it to be bigger. To be so, honest, no, I would add, add some square space. footage. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> How about an ice bath? No, only because I don't think enough people have the ability to really get in there and use it properly. Yeah. Cause there's a gym close to me across the coast of Mesa. They have them and they said like no one ever uses them. Right. But they're the whirlpool type, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's different. It is. Yeah. It's still cold though, right? Yeah. 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 Those things are usually around like 55 degrees. So you still get in there and you're like, ah, oh, it's cold. Yeah. But you can hang out there for like 10 minutes. Like the, the how cold is yours? Um, I haven't checked today, but it's probably around 33. Oh, yeah, that's cold. It's crispy. <laughs> There's like a difference, right? There's like cold, and then it's like crispy. <laughs> like this silly goose over here. I'm still trying to get him in it. He put his arm in and like, <laughs> like ran around, like freaking out about it. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then, so the chest freezer setup wouldn't necessarily work for the gym setting because of staying clean. Yeah, it would get gross. Other things that would be cool, like, let's say money wasn't an object, like a float tank. Have you tried that? I have, actually. I didn't think it was the coolest thing ever. I think what's really interesting is that you're floating naked, so, like, your balls and stuff feel kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the actual sense yeah, of, like, yeah, deprivation... Yeah. I don't know. I had a couple moments where it was like really cool and a couple moments where I was like, all right. I think the ones that do it to do it right is the water. So if you guys don't know, float tanks are, are 
roughly like 12 inches of water that is supposed to be heated up to match your body temperature, like your skin temperature, which is usually I think around like 93 mm-hmm. degrees. And then it's filled with like thousands of pounds of salt. So it forces your body to float. It's like taking an empty uh, water bottle and putting it underwater and like letting it go. It, it just floats. Yep. Um, and then you lie down on, on your back, you have little earplugs in and you float and then you close the door and it's pitch black and there's no sound. But the ideal situation, the ideal um, like float tank experience is that the, the external air should be the same temperature. Should be like 93, 94 degrees. Mm. And so you almost can't tell a difference between the air and the water. And then you have obviously the, the, the sound and light deprivation. That's ideally. I mean, I had, I mean, I had a good experience doing it. It just wasn't something I would spend like, I don't know, it's like 50 bucks every time you go or something crazy. Yeah. Like that. It depends obviously on the, on the, the rent and the, and the type of location. Yeah. But I think I've heard, um, that to really get the full experience out of it, you're supposed to do it, I don't know, three or four times in like 10 days. I haven't had the time to do that. Yeah. I could see that. Any experience with saunas? Saunas. Yeah. I mean, I did a whole podcast on actually like infrared saunas, uh, the float tank, and then just like different types of whatever you want to call it. Have you gotten into the, have you gotten into chili water yet? Like as cold as your tub? Yeah. No. All right. Well, this will be fun. I know. I'm going to be scared. Well, cause so uh, when I was on, on your podcast, um, we talked spent- about making one. Yeah, yeah. And we also talked about Wim Hof a lot Mm -hmm. and cold showers. Are you still doing it? I do. And I actually, I want to go to his seminar. It's coming up here in Yeah, November 10th. Yeah, I think I'm going to go. It's actually a good... um, You've done done one, right? I've done a seminar, but not with like Wim Hof there. Yeah. And so it's like... He'll actually be here at this one. Yeah. 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 And the cool part is it's like, I think it's like 200 bucks or so, somewhere right around there for, and it's 8 a.m. to 4 p.m which is a good distance for these type of seminars. And so I don't, I'm considering going just purely for the experience. Cause I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to learn anything else about the actual method. Mm-hmm. Cause I've, man, I jumped off the deep end in studying stuff and I've done his online things. I've taken classes. I've watched YouTube videos. I've done it myself, but really just the experience. And if you're going, then maybe I for sure, maybe I'll go. I haven't done the breathing as much as I'd like to. I've been like slacking on that. I've had a lot, lot going on that's my excuse which is a terrible one well so here's here's what we do um it seems to me and i've talked a lot about this on the show is that we get caught up in action a lot and being dedicated to action and doing stuff that there's there's a cost to that and how you pay for it is in non-action and stillness and being skilled at it and so i use the example of with I'll just use myself. I have kids, so I wake up and it's generally chaos at the house. And then eventually, um, say I go to work and it's chaos getting to work because I'm in traffic, freaking out. Um, get to work, do some physical exercise, which is still stress. And then I'm at work all night long, no sleeping, and involved in a stressful environment in, in, the, in the nature of the job. And so there's always like this, always in this sympathetic state. And so being having a heightened awareness of that and learning more about it, having heightened awareness has given me the opportunity to self-regulate and understanding and then putting a lot of value on self-regulation. 
And in order to get self-regulation in a chaotic environment, especially for someone that is super busy, you have to schedule it. Just like, you, you, let's say you, you know you're gonna work out at a certain time, you're gonna do it, right? But if you schedule, like even if it's a 10 minute window, like 10 minutes of stillness, and in that stillness, it can be whatever you're gonna do that day. You're gonna do it, and you just have to prioritize it and understand that it's gonna have tremendous ripple effects through everything else. Yeah, that's a good, if I did have it in my little, my little like schedule, I would for sure do it. Yeah. I've never thought about actually scheduling it though. Yeah. Dude, you got to. Yeah. That's what busy people do. We have things, we, we, especially you're going through, you take, you're chipping away at your daily schedule and your to-do list. But that has to be valuable to you. If it's not, it's going to fall right off and you're just not going to do it. Or if it's on there, it's going to be one of those things that you can like, oh, okay, I got, oh, okay, no, I can schedule that, that training session there and disregard it. But in a way, you're also like, you're disregarding something that is like vitally important to your physical, mental, emotional health. And it's really easy to do. I know that is really easy to do. If I write it down, it will for sure get done too. So that is a good thought. But even, I don't know why I've never even thought about something so simple like that. Well, it, that's the thing, man. It's like, it's, it's so simple and, and complicated at the same time. It's part of the reason why I have this Enzo circle up here. Like this drawing a circle is really easy, but it's super like complex to make that, but it's super easy. So here's another solution is a location. So I've scheduled it. Um, a lot of times I find myself doing my, my breath work sitting in my car, parked, obviously. I'm not trying to do Wim Hof driving, not a good idea. Yeah. But like I'll get to work. I tried doing it riding my bike one time. Yeah, I, no, I, no. I, I, bad dude, idea. I legit passed out. No, see? Yeah. No, noop, noop, noop. Um, but finding <laughs> spots. So I have my car as a good location. I go to the top of the parking structure. Uh, at, at work, I have this, there's an old old sauna there that's like broken down no one uses and I have a little area there to have a yoga mat I have my spots because I've made it important so uh, and the breath work usually to get three or four rounds is like 15 minutes especially if you can hold your breath for a long time or not hold your breath for a long time I'm not sure what you're doing and the part where you're not breathing yeah you know you're not necessarily holding your breath but you're not breathing so it's probably only like a minute for me I don't like I don't really like going super long on that I know you're supposed to I just go until I get uncomfortable and then I stop. Well, have you, one, let me ask the first question. Have you really fully committed to doing it? The actual For a little while, yeah, I was doing really good, but I was only doing like two rounds at most because I, I would do it in the shower while it was cold. The breath work? Yeah. The same oh, time. yeah, no. Mm -mm. No? No. It has to be separate? Yeah. Shoot, maybe we'll do it right now. Because I guarantee you, your first round, when you fully commit to the breath, it will be longer than a minute. And you won't even know it especially if you're not paying attention to the time, mm. which I don't recommend, especially for, for, for folks like us. Yeah. Cause then you get competitive. Yeah. You're like, oh I'm going to win something. I, you know, what are you winning really? Right. <laughs> like you're pushing yourself to try and beat it. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to beat my prior record. Oh, okay. I'm awesome. But like, yeah. really you just stressed out about yeah. that. To try, so now <laughs> it's you're probably worse, right? You're stressed out about trying to beat yourself. So, yeah. um, but yeah, the, the cold exposure and the breath work should be separate. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, but there, I learned it, all this at the seminar. No, uh, yeah, hopefully it <laughs> might just be a bunch of dancing and hugging, man. You never know. Oh man, it could be. Yeah, he's getting he's getting more weird. I feel like recently. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, <laughs> but the method is still there. Yeah. Right, and and we should get Ravi. Mm -hmm. We should get Ravi to come. Yeah, we should. 
All right. Well, maybe we'll do. Hey, if you're in LA, it's a uh, November 10th. I'm gonna plug Wim Hof stuff. You go on the website. It's 20 bucks. It's actually in um, the east side of Santa Monica, so it's kind of local up here. It's 200 bucks or 20 bucks. No, it's like 200. Oh, okay. It was in euros, I think. Oh, okay. I don't know. Yeah, we'll find out. You should have a seminar at your place. That would be awesome. I'd love to get Wim Hof on the podcast. Yeah. Well, that well, he's gonna I'm be sure so, everyone's gonna be asking him that. Yeah. He does phone stuff. I don't know if he, if I haven't figured out the whole phone thing yet. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I'd want to do a podcast over yeah. the internet. Yeah. I've only done it one time and I hated it. Yeah. You got the in-person thing matters. Yeah. I think it makes a big difference. Um. A few things, a few more things I want to touch on before we close out, and is what has to go to go back. I think your first podcast was probably with us. I scraped you off out of your uh, privacy shell and got you on the podcast in like 2013. Two, yeah, that's right. When all that stuff went down, you guys wanted me on the show after that. Yeah, you know it's funny. Like I look back, like the I was one of them. They got scraped into it. Um, you and then also working on Ronnie for a while to get him going. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you guys are podcast pros now. <laughs> yeah. But tell me, like, the, the difference of being a guest and growing through that process and, and what has having your own podcast done for you or taught you? Oh, my God. It's taught me so much stuff. It's, like, my favorite part about, about the podcast is meeting people who know things that I don't know and how that has, like, changed my life. Like, I mean, I haven't really been doing the breathing in a while, um, but, or the cold shower, like, oh, oh, I do the cold shower actually every day, but, um, I actually don't even take showers anymore that aren't cold. Like, I just like the feeling of a cold shower now, but, uh, and then, but just like different things like, um, the gratefulness, the gratitude stuff I've heard on from several other people, some of the things that make people successful, like these like very small little things that just like seem to make huge differences in their lives. I've like added into mine different outlooks on things, different strategies towards things it's amazing and i feel like i'm reading all the best books that are out there except they're all like tried and true you know like they've actually been used and this is like their experience it's it's amazing i think it's the greatest thing ever i just used to be like a little bit nervous to talk probably as a guest and then now like to be a guest now is like super exciting you know like it's like more stressful now to host oh for sure way more pressure on being a host yeah the guess is like it's fun, mm-hmm. especially especially like I didn't have to prep or anything. I just yeah, came here and no, I was like, absolutely. all right, let's just hit it. Especially if you have if you've hosted your own show, especially as a solo host, because like podcasts, I wouldn't I wouldn't do the same prep. I mean, maybe like ten minutes. Yeah, you feed off everybody else. Yeah, yeah, and it and it was fun. And then on a surface level, there wasn't a whole lot of research. And then as soon as you don't have a question, the other person that you're with does. Yeah. You know, so it flows so nice. But then yeah. when you are by yourself, it is a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be, the, has to be a lot more thoughtful. Yeah. Although I've done some podcasts and it wasn't. They mm-hmm. just kind of like hit play. And they're like, hey, so uh, when do you start CrossFitting? You know? <laughs> yeah. And then so then I, I, I have empathy for that position because I understand. But um, for those of you out there that listen to, to these podcasts, understand that goes, you put a lot of work into it. Otherwise, it would just be a shallow conversation. Which you can tell right away when you're, yeah, when you're on yeah. a bad one. Yep. You can just tell. Yep. The Also, um, again, I want to highlight that when you host a podcast and if it's important to you, what it does for the host, it forces them to grow and it puts pressure on them. And that, this certainly puts pressure on me. 
And I'm not sure. I don't even know if it's necessary, but I think I put it apply. And you're probably the same thing. You apply it to yourself because you want to excel and do it and have a good product mm -hmm. because your name is attached to it and it's going to be everlasting and everyone can, whoever is going to be listening to it for, so you have to have some sense of pride and try not to embarrass yourself. But also, man, like the, like you have to be dedicated to a high quality or high, high standard. And, 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 you know, in the words of Logan Galbrick, hold the standard. Yeah. To, to have a good podcast for sure. Yep. Cause like we were saying earlier off the air, it's just, it's stressful when you feel like you have to have one every week. People are looking forward yep. to it every week. And you can't just get something just to get something. It's gotta be something good. Yeah. Yeah. I, how many people do you turn down? I turned on quite a few people, probably like a few, three or four people a week or something. Cause they reach out to me and they're like, Hey, I'd like to be on the podcast. And I look at them and I'm like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm a competitive juggler. I think I'd be great for your podcast. Yeah. Well, this one guy, like he talks about thyroid health and he's all about thyroid health and all this stuff and how you can lose weight, and get the body you want and this and that, but he's fat mm. and he keeps hitting me up and I'm like, I don't know if I could do this. Well, maybe ask him, Hey, what's going on with you? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. But that's also like, so here, a thing about that is he might be great. I'm just like, it's, it's been kind of bothering me in the back of my head. I'm like, yeah, I know yeah, man. This. You know, but something I've learned there is, and you have that initial thought that comes up, right? That is almost like a, like a, a judgmental teenage girl, hormonal judgmental it teenage is. girl and no offense to teenage girls, but you, know, you guys know what I'm talking about, Yeah, but it pops up, but then you almost like, okay, that's what I'm seeing right now from my perspective. Let me, maybe there's more to the story and let me look at some other things because potentially that guy might've already lost 200 pounds. Uh, that's what I'm assuming. Well, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but that's also the thing we got to stay be careful of yeah. and that is assuming anything yeah don't assume yeah um speaking of which you guys i post i might do an episode on the book the four agreements uh written by don miguel ruiz and the four agreements one of them is don't make assumptions the other is be impeccable with your word always do your best and don't take anything personally kind of cool mm. that i might actually i don't know do in the future I read a, I, I wanted to do a book week for my podcast and I read, um, the guy from on it, Aubrey Marcus. Yeah. I read his book earn and, the, and, earn and, the I, day. and I literally just like, was so excited to just like read it cause it was like a hot topic for a little while and I wanted to have a podcast on it. And after reading it, I was like, I can't have a podcast on this. He just regurgitated every good thing that anyone else has ever talked about. And it was the worst book I've ever read. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read it yet. <laughs> so... So, okay. <laughs> like if you've been in this space and you've been listening to podcasts and you've been listening to like yeah. some of the more like interesting people of our time right now, he just basically highlights all of their greatest things. And, but he just says it. And I mean, he cites it, but yeah. no, the, no, I feel you. There's yep. nothing unique about him and the book at all. And I was like, fuck, I just, I can't do this now. Like I just wasted however many hours reading and reading this. And now I'm kind of bummed. That's how I feel also about uh, a lot of people in the in the breathwork industry right now it's trying to make a name for themselves in that footprint because i'm like you're just regurgitating stuff from the oxygen advantage and wim hof yeah i don't know just adding stuff yeah i don't get it yeah but <laughs> uh also a side note uh you know host to host here is doing a book like podcast is super time consuming because you got to read the book and then you got to go back through the book again and highlight 
And then you have to like decipher all the information and the story you want to tell and pull that out. And then when you have that information, you're going to end up pulling and looking in, going down like uh, rabbit holes towards the other information where they got it from. So you can pull in that perspective. And that right there ends up becoming like a full-time job and hours go into that. So it's just better to just have someone who's kind of like written a book and then you guys yeah. talk about it on the show. No, absolutely. And so I had that experience with, uh, with Ryan Muncy who came on and his book, uh, f- uh, Fuck Your Feelings, which, now this is my fault, but this is how I am. I read the book, I read it again and highlighted, and I went back again and read it th- with the highlights and notes, and then I pulled stuff out, and I took a bunch of notes, and then I, I went through and watched the TED Talks that he referred to. I looked up some of the studies he referred to. Oh, wow, you went hard. Well, I mean, you have to. But. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's a strength and a weakness for me. Yeah. Because when I do that, uh, I'm aware and I'm learning more about how that makes my attention move away from other things in my life that's important. So it is difficult. So I'm trying to figure out some sort of weird balance here. Or you just have a, well, even if the author comes on or that person comes on, you still want to have a good knowledge base. Yeah. So you can actually question them. I think you could just read it though and then talk to them and you're pretty good. Yeah. You don't have to like dissect it. Cause they'll dissect it for you. Like this you is know, why sometimes they forget. Let me tell you, <laughs> do they? I've had to like, let me pull it. Let me, cause I've had a few, I've had at least uh, so Greg Amundsen who wrote warrior, the monk. I had Dan, you know, Nitro Clark on there, um, on here that has book on, on his heart attack, F dying. Uh, and then a lot of F words in the title, mm. the book titles here. Can't go wrong with fuck. I mean, it just, it's, no, always, no. it's just yeah, it's so many uses. So some girl in my gym actually has got a tattoo. It just yeah. says, Fuck right on, the side of, right on the side of her stomach. <laughs> I was like, right on. Have you ever have you ever considered doing like a fitness book? Um, no, I like writing workout books. Right now, I have like a kettlebell book. Oh, that's what I meant. Like the like a. Oh yeah, I love that stuff. It's cool. Might be good. I mean, obviously, you're got a lot of time, you know, on your hands, and you know, in case you're bored and want to do something, <laughs> uh, get, throw like work like little workout. Cause those things sell, man. You they see do. The book. Yeah, good success. Uh, you're a little bit photogenic, you know, it'd be kind of cool. Yeah. So I guess you're on the beach, you know, mm-hmm. chucking some kettlebells. I saw you work out. Speedo. So you do have, you have a lot of kettlebell <laughs> workouts and I've seen them. I've, I've tried some of them. Um, always a lot of fun. There's always like, there's a little, an element of fun to your workouts. That's different than, I don't know, your textbook type of workout. And it's almost, you almost feel like you're, like you're doing something. And I so, put a ridiculous amount of time into making workouts. Well, you're doing something, and yeah. I don't know if you realize it. I don't know if it goes all the way back to when you were chucking watermelons. Is that you were doing? You were probably doing one of your workouts then, but you were just moving watermelons. I don't know, mm-hmm. but that, that connection. But uh, there was a guy that threw uh, in Santa Monica. If you ever go down to the beach down there, Muscle Beach, there's a guy that had for for to raise awareness for uh, man kids' cancer. I forget. But he went from the Santa Monica Pier to the Venice Pier, and he wanted to go back throwing a 100-pound kettlebell. Oof. In the sand? Yeah. Damn, that's really cool, actually. I and, like that. And, yeah, but he was, saying he was doing stuff like that. So my little challenge for you is, just, is to start maybe considering stuff like that. You have a good following, um, and you have great ideas and great intention and a great heart, and then start mixing the fitness with the ability to um, open up and, and bring some awareness and charity to other others. Yeah. Because think about it, man. If you, put, if you put your mind to something like that, that'd be a good challenge, right? Yeah, that'd be cool. And bring some awareness to, to whatever charity you support. 
I'll yeah, do it. We have a bunch of big piers in like from Huntington to Newport and all that. There's some really good spaces there in in the sand. See, get some sun. Thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, good. Once it, I want the invite. Yeah. All right. You want to do it too? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Absolutely. I thought, dude. I had a little things, you know, weird little ideas of um, uh, bear crawling. You know, hands in the sand from pier to pier, um, doing uh, uh, burpee broad jumps. And then I tried it for a little while. I'm like, okay, it got yeah. real really quick. Yeah, I can't imagine how long that would take. It got real hours very and quick. Hours, well, for sure. Doing burpee broad jump miles on a track, people have done that at least in a CrossFit like area for a while now. But I don't know. It's different in the sand. But bear crawling that far is super hard. Yep. You end up kind of like going sideways. Can't even go straight anymore. Yeah. Uh, core starts firing up, back starts hurting. I know a guy who does that stuff. His guy, his name's like Deralk or something like that. You see yeah. this guy? Yeah, yeah, he does all that stuff. Yeah, fantastic. You know, we he actually worked out with me in my gym one time. Dude, there's a guy in L.A. down at the uh, the beaches. I haven't seen him in a while. He's like a homeless guy, transient dude, but just jacked. Like he walks around in little shorts all the time and just ripped. Hmm. Um, oh, he just works out all day on the beach. He does. Yeah, yeah he does. But he ended up. Um, he got. I forget. He got arrested for something, and he has little his little notepad. I'm like, I gotta check this out. He said, Yeah. So I started looking through it, and I saw his workout plans, and it was like 30 minutes of bear crawling, 30 minutes of handstand walking, 30 minutes of crab walking. I'm like, that's what he's doing. <laughs> that's why he's like that. And he was super jacked. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's kind of funny. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, um, your other project right now, I'll make sure to give some some uh, publicity. Is your online programming. And are you doing that for individuals and gyms or is it specifically for gyms? It's both. So there's individual and uh, affiliate option. And I think you know some people that, that do it that you used to hang out with a lot back in the day. A lot of, a lot of gym owners are doing it now. So um, there's like 1,500 people that kind of do it, like on like total, something like that. It's a lot. Would you say to do that, is it more... Um is the programming more difficult or is it like a, a software business to be able to manage all that? Or is it through a different, a third party? No, I do everything, but, um, it's, it's like a separate location for my gym on Wattify. So we use the Wattify app. Oh, okay. So basically like you, you would sign up either as a regular person or a gym owner. And like the style is just a little bit different for each one. And then the workout, the actual average, uh, like the individual one is the gym one. Perfect. So it's not extra work for me, but it's it's a little more stress on Sunday night when I make the workouts for the week. I want them to be really cool because now there's a lot more people looking at them. So uh, there, there was a time in my gym where I'd be like, oh, this workout's okay, but I can't think of anything else. Like, screw it. You know, like, I'm just going to put it up and, it, and I'm sure it'll be fun. But now it's like, no, like, it has to be really, really fucking cool. So now I spend so much time writing the workouts. Do you have testers? Sometimes I'll go on Instagram um, and I'll ask everyone, Hey, can you guys test this out for me? And people get super excited, which is cool. I did one the other day where w- there was like every minute on the minute and it was like a, a cardio piece and a, something with a dumbbell and you had to do both in the same minute. And then all these people were giving me feedback about it. They're like, you know, this is too hard or that, but they're really nice. Like everyone's yeah, like yeah, super yeah. cool about it. Um, but yeah, it's been amazing. Like, people have been tagging me and stuff all over and the people buy my books my eBooks and such. Um, I really want to make a, a daily kettlebell workout, like a, a daily kettlebell like subscription plan. I already have like it all set up. It's going to be called the daily swing. Nice. 
Yeah, you've you've had a, a big love of kettlebells for a long time. I've always just really liked them. They're just super basic, and you can bring them anywhere. I have one. I usually have one in my car. I have one in my room, and I've one pretty much everywhere. One. I have a couple in my garage. What? So another thing that you you um, for a perspective on people that didn't know when you started making a, a waves online was your twenty rep back squat. Oh yeah, and, and the fifty kettlebell swings a day is huge. Well, no, app. but the 20 rep back squat's massive too. Yeah, but the, the 50 kettlebell swings a day is like more relatable. Yeah. Right. But not everyone's doing. I did 400 for. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. That's like a thing that like, I don't know who else is going to do reps of 400 pound back squat for 20 reps. Yeah. No. I think the most I got up, God, if I remember. I lost count one time when I was, I was at 345 and I did 27 reps. See, that's, 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 I just wanted to, I just wanted to, at the time I just went to failure. So the goal was we all started at 275 and our goal was to get to 315. Was Who's we all? Cuz I just started 275 for 20. <laughs> so like some of my buddies I worked out with in San Diego. And then they were all like our goal is to do 315. So like we're all starting at 275 or whatever and every week we're going to go up 5 pounds and I'm like, "Well, I think I can do 315 now." And they're like they hadn't really like they didn't know me yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, dude, if you do 315 right now, like we're all quitting CrossFit. And I'm like, all right. I put 315 on and I just banged it out. And everybody <laughs> literally was like, oh my God. So if you ever hear Anders talk about me, like the first time I showed up at his gym, he's like, that's when I knew that I was never going to be that good. <laughs> like Anders yeah. always has like a joke about it. Yeah. And I started at 315. Everyone else started at 275. And I went up five pounds every week, all the way to 400 pounds. So that took me like a very long time to get to. And I did fail a couple here and there and I'd lose count a couple here and there. (laughs) Yeah. So some weird things happened. Do you have any rules of like how how long you could stay at the top or rest or is it just 20 and just don't put the bar down? So the real way of doing it, you're supposed to have like three breaths at the top of each one. But I started getting to the point where it was getting so heavy that like I would pass out and I passed out a few times. So I got to the point where I would have to bang out the first 10 as fast as I could and then I could do the three breaths or I was going to be toast. Yeah. Dang. That Asian girl, uh, Kim, that I told you about, who made me feel like I wasn't working that hard, how I met her was I passed out on a 20-rep back squat, came back alive, right, like into consciousness, and I just grabbed her. And I was like, I don't want to die alone. (laughs) (laughs) I need you right now. Like, don't leave me, whatever, right? And I hung on. Like, I literally, like, gripped her with all my might for, like, three hours. Like, I was super, super fucked up. And I started dating her after that for like a year and a half. Aw. It's a new tactic right there, everybody. <laughs> Just go hug and squeeze for three hours. Don't let go. That's Stockholm Syndrome. That's what you did. <laughs> you took her hostage and then she had sympathy for you. I get it. That's a good thing, man. Well, look, man, because um, we're going to go jump in the ice and do some breath work now. Um, uh, we've talked before and, and I've, I've told you before and it, and it was a random text that I'm super proud of you. Thank you. Um, I also think that there is some space and if you can remind yourself to, to, um, appreciate the stillness, um, take some time to slow down because I think in that case, it's, it's time to slow down, but also to speed up. But when you speed up, you'll be a little bit with some more, uh, clarity, right? My mom will appreciate that piece of advice. Well, I agree with her. I think that's, I mean, as a parent, but also because, you know, I had this. I listened to the episode 
uh, of Real Chalk with you and Anders. And I'm listening to you guys talk about drive and nonstop and, and saying no to family. And I'm like, I feel like in a way like, like in the future, you and him might look back and go, oh, I was so silly. And so you know, obviously you can't learn like that, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But to have the awareness and appreciation of the moments and, and in the beauty. And if you're so stuck in the drive for the future, you miss the present. And to really be appreciate, appreciative in the present. Does that make sense? No, definitely, for sure. I've already like looked back and regretted moments like that. Well, that's good. But you can look back and regret, but just don't focus on the pain. Focus on the lesson. If you can learn, then it's a success, right? It's, mm -hmm. There's no failure, right? You just look, uh, I jacked up. I could have done better. Okay, now I know this is what I'm going to strive for in the now. Because, man, like, hard work, like, I'm not saying don't work hard. But, you know, you don't see, like, you don't see a moving truck behind a hearst. You know what I mean? Like you see people, you see relationships, you see the way you, you see the way you made people feel. So that's the thought that I'm gonna close out this episode on. Yeah, that was really good, actually. I know everyone's following you, but I want to have all the plugs also for my notes, and then I'm also gonna put it in the uh, on the website and in the show notes. So Instagram is Ryan Fish, R Y A N F I S C H. Uh, if you want more information about me or any of the programs that I make, it's just CrossFitChalk.com. Um, and then we have an Instagram as well. It's just at CrossFitChalk. And you can follow. We actually have a lot of educational posts on there that talk about um, like food intake, like different workout styles. Like the, the Chalk Instagram is always informative every day. And I have a girl who, um, he's a, she's a, an amazing writer, and she writes those posts. And then I do everything on my own Instagram and I'm always writing my own things on there. My stories are hilarious if you yeah. guys watch my stories. Yes. And also to, to tell me I want to point out to listeners that you follow Ryan. Um, he's way more than those Ninja Turtle abs, right? And those thick, glorious abs <laughs> of his. But there's also, besides look, look at the passion, look at the drive. Um, now you have an understanding of his journey and now he's still striving to work hard uh, and despite of challenges, but there's also an education and experience there, which is, um, hardships and a desire to be really good at fitness and health. Fitness is, is just one component of health. So that health also includes nutrition. So, and just life at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, you're, you're still learning, right? I always talk about in the show about having a beginner's mind and term Shoshin from uh, a Zen culture, beginner's mind, always learning. Because once you become an expert and you think you're think you're an expert, uh, possibilities are smaller. So, thanks, man. Thanks yeah. for coming on. Um, Had a great time. Much love to your mom. Hi, Kim. If you're listening, I hope <laughs> I hope this episode made you proud. Oh yeah, she's gonna love it. Uh, and as far as some admin stuff for the show, uh, the is the website. It's also the Instagram. I'm at one Scott McGee. Uh, if you guys are interested in the posters or any kind of decoration, uh, there's a tab there at the ccway.com. Uh, oh, I almost forgot. One of these days I'll have this available for, for listeners and people that are wanting it. But this is, you came on the show, and this is the CCUA coin that I'm now going to give to you. Oh. 
it has the lighthouse on the back and has a lot of the sayings that I'm going to say right now. And I'll explain the coin to you um, after the show. But uh, for the listeners, thank you for spending your time listening to this particular episode. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of stuff competing for our attention. And so I'm really glad you took the time to spend um, you know, your important time listening to this episode. Hopefully you got some, you learned something or you got some thoughts and other ways to improve um, your life or the life of your loved ones. So remember, health is wealth, vulnerability is strength, and strength is a choice. So get up strong and be uncomfortable. Thank you.